and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast of the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. And I am Andrew. I'm Marianne. I'm Graham. And it's April, which means on the 250, it's time for Anime April, at which <laughs> point we take a look at the anime, Japanese animated movies, uh, on the list of the 250 greatest movies of all time. Stop for a pause. And go. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> thank you. You're a great crowd. Um, but yeah, this has been it's been a while since myself and Andrew have done this. Um, a year. No. <laughs> but yeah. Also since we've done done the podcast. Last time we podcast was for 18 hours. This will hopefully be <laughs> this one will hopefully be a bit briefer. Uh, but yeah, so myself and Andrew, we're not really well versed in terms of anime, so we invited, as with last year, two experts on the subject to talk to us. Thank you, Marianne, and thank you, Graham. <laughs> Every time I'm on this podcast, Darren is like, you're an expert. expert in your chosen field, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Expert I'm, I mean, in guerrilla like, warfare I'm, to discuss Rambo. I'm just like a goblin with an internet connection. <laughs> we brought you on this podcast for your goblin credentials. The amount of creatures who go... Yeah. 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 That's really the only thing I'm an expert in. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yes, we, we invited two people that we consider to be experts Aww. at the very least so sweet. On, on, the, <laughs> on the podcast to talk about this because we decided this year, well, I decided, uh, we would try, we try to do some... a committee. Uh, does, very... Andrew get, does Andrew get any choices? <laughs> I, I, I put in a veto and then withdrew it. <laughs> but yeah. it is still there. Like this is all behind the scenes. We're lifting the curtain. Very, very fraught yeah. negotiations. Ooh. Very hard to get. See and- how the sausage is made. Uh-huh. Well, what happens is that Darren always like gives us what our options are, <laughs> and we have choice yeah. within that. Yeah. But you so know, says, why, Mito? You're looking fit. Ruins it. <laughs> all right. So this. <laughs> This year, we decided collectively. I'll leave it up to you to decide whether that's the same first person. Anything that we say that Darren doesn't kind of like, um, you know, expand upon. <laughs> that's a signal that Darren is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the listeners, in case yeah. you're curious. In case there's any ambiguity yeah. there. Yeah. But we, and I'm going to leave it ambiguous as to whether I'm using the first person plural or the royal we, decided that this year we try and maybe do something a little bit interesting because... The anime uh, on the 250 is largely dominated by uh, Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where last year we covered the double feature, the wonderful double feature of Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro, uh, which was just a wonderful experience for everybody. Welcome to Totoro. Totoro. Uh, oh, by the way, there may be singing later on in this episode, <laughs> yeah. just so we're clear. Jesus. Um, so we thought what we do this year is we try something interesting. We try to do it without doing the Studio Ghibli ones. We take a look at the, the anime films on there that are not technically Studio Ghibli. So next week we're going to cover Akira, which is set in 2019 and therefore is quite an appropriate film to cover. Um, and then hopefully there's also this just in coming as well at some point around about May-ish on Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, which also has some connection Nailed to this. It. I know, got it in one, baby. Uh, one take, they call me Darren One Take Mooney uh, because I can't be honest. I was assumed, I'm, I was not, I'm not correcting him. <laughs> no, I know. I always assumed it was Evangelion. That's what oh. I always assumed. All right, NGE for the kids <laughs> out there representing. Uh, but yeah, so this week we thought we'd take a look at uh, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, mm-hmm. which is interesting yes. for a number of reasons. It is a film that is largely considered part of the Studio Ghibli canon. Uh, it is, in fact, actually, if you go to Studio Ghibli and you go to the Ghibli Museum, there's a number of exhibits dedicated Which to it. Which you should. Yeah. It's great. Mm. Have you been there? I haven't. I, 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 I have been to Tokyo, but a, a, a friend of mine um, uh, went 
So I I I I got a number of kind of postcards. Nice. Um, from there, and they kind of like uh, talked me through the whole experience. So when I actually went to Tokyo myself, I was like. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I want to now see things that you maybe haven't seen. Uh, I've experienced this vicariously and therefore do not need to experience Funny, it personally. Yeah, a friend yeah. of mine went to the Miyazaki uh, Museum as well. He went to the Studio Ghibli Museum as well. Said it was fantastic. He absolutely adored it. Uh, but yeah, they actually like they serve, for example, the beer that they serve in the Ghibli Museum is Kaze no Tani, which is beer of the wind, apparently, oh, uh, which is branded nice. as well. They um, There's a display on there that uh, Hideki <laughs> Anno. What kind of parts do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, yeah, just, 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 just careful after drinking this. You, can, you get the Stay in a ventilated area. Yeah. Um, you get like an innard lighter. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Don't, just, don't you drink just and float to the top of the room where there's these fans like going around. For no reason. No reason they're there. There's also an exhibit there with uh, Hideki Anno, whose work on NGE we may be discussing at a certain point in the future. I hope so. Uh, but he animated the God Warrior sequence here, which is reproduced in live action in the Ghibli Museum as well. They have an exhibit dedicated to that. But this is interesting because this isn't technically a Studio Ghibli no, film. even though it's technically like their first one? It's considered like among Ghibli enthusiasts yeah. to be like the prototype yeah. because it, it's Miyazaki's second film, uh, following on from the largely forgotten uh, but still sort of you know, noted by purists, the Castle of Cagliostro, uh, which was... Oh, I feel like I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was loved by the people who saw I'm it. also uh, nailed it. Don't, that... don't say it. <laughs> I won't. Uh, <laughs> not this time. The COG, baby. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was... It was loved by the people who saw it, uh, but very few people saw it. It was a box office bomb. It largely derailed Miyazaki's, at the time, sort of emerging career in animation. Mm-hmm. The point where... He was unable to get funding for his next project, uh, which, what he was had to, which was going to be Nausicaa. Well, it was right. a number of other ideas, but included among them was Nausicaa. What he had to actually do was he had to develop Nausicaa as a manga, um, starting yeah. in 1982. It actually ran during and after the production of the film as well. But like he developed Nausicaa at this sort of magazine. Um, it's called uh, Animage, I think is the name of it. And basically he developed it there. It was published. It became one of their breakout hits. Um, and then he managed to pitch the film. Film was developed by an animation studio. Um, and basically, it worked so well that uh, Maizaki decided to sort of branch out and form his own studio. Uh, which led to, obviously, I think, um, Castle in the Sky is the mm. first proper Ghibli, right? Am I, am I right there on that? First, first official, yeah. Technical. Yeah, first yeah. technical official one. So this is interesting. I had not seen this before. I assume Andrew had not seen this before. I had. You had you had seen this. Before. I had seen this before. Oh, wow. I, saw, I I saw this um, uh, movie um, at um, the library uh, Chester Beatty. Oh, lovely. In uh, in, uh, in Dublin, back in I would say um, at some point between like two thousand and six and two thousand nine. Mm. Yeah, and I I liked it a lot. But it didn't. It didn't make the the same impression on me as some of the other uh, Miyazaki movies I'd seen. Like Which Spirited are, Away, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One, right? uh, yeah. I. I. It. It may. Spirited Away may indeed have been at that point the only one. I think I had seen um, parts of Princess Mononoke, but not mm. not kind of in its entirety. But yeah, at at um at the time it it seemed it seemed like. Um, the kind of, um, 
I, like I think because I had just seen Spirited Away, it seemed like the 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 kind of um, maybe a blueprint or like a sophomore kind of okay. um, yeah. effort. Yeah. Mm. It, it doesn't. But, it, it has a sort of a very like young feel. It feels like a prototype. It feels almost like a blueprint. It feels like somebody's learning to do something that they'll do later on. It's interesting that you should mention Mononoke because I imagine that's probably going to come up later when we're talking about this. Right. Um, but yeah, Marianne, had you seen it before? I had seen it before. Uh, I don't have any specific memory as to when, probably when I was just uh, binging a lot of Miyazaki, hmm. uh, you know, during that phase of my life. And I think kind of like similarly to Andrew, it didn't make a huge impression on me at the time, probably because I was watching it back to back with like a good few of his later offerings. Yeah. So, um, you know, the rough edges were kind of more apparent, but I have to say, having seen it kind of in isolation, it's a lot more charming than I remember. And some of the kind of, uh, what I like described as rough edges, the sort of more, uh, I guess, juvenile animation uh, techniques or whatever, actually uh, are very, feel very nostalgic. Like, yeah. they're really reminiscent mm. of like early 90s yeah. kind of animation. Um, the There's look a character to them. Yeah, it's like those lovely, um, like very painterly kind of backgrounds with like contrasted with the very flat kind of simple shapes of the characters. You know, that that that's really evocative for me. So yeah, it was really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of had a, a similar kind of a re- revisitation of like, I guess, yeah, where, where some of the kind of charm of it, of it tended to, 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 to jump out. Where it wasn't really, where I wasn't suffering by comparison, um, but it it was it was maybe benefiting from from being a little uh, uh, different, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is kind of interesting because this is the first time I'd watched it, and I was sort of thinking actually in terms of because you mentioned the sort of childishness of it. Part of me is wondering was I maybe a bit too old because I'm I'm now like you know thirty two years old watching it for the first time, and I'm wondering had I seen it when I was younger, would I have liked it? A lot more, like I, I without getting too, but we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not we liked it or not. No. But it feels like a movie. You're thirty two. <laughs> You're looking great. Eating <laughs> <laughs> vegetables. Fantastic, Andrew. Fantastic. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> just, just, just a collective patting of the backs here. Two fifty. Graham, I haven't seen you in ages. You're taking great care of yourself. Thank you. Uh, Marianne. Is this a Twin Peaks joke? No. no. What is this? It's a Nausicaa record. When, they, when every guy sees them sees each other, they go, Lord Yupo, you look great. Why, thank you. You're looking fine You're yourself. You're looking fine yourself. Well, they do look great. They do. Those mustaches are incredible and so in vogue. And very, uh, makes it very easy to not have to animate mouths. <laughs> it make it more very true. Because you can see it's like, that mustache isn't moving. It's just like, yeah. Moving up and down a bit. I mean, I bet the dub crew were just like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, because what's her name? Baba? Ooh, that was yeah. the roughest. It's just like, uh, pa- it was like, Patrick Stewart, go bananas. <laughs> this guy doesn't have a mouth. It's just going to be a mustache twitching you know so just I ad lib but fantastic you know thank you assistant voice director you look great engage Um, but yeah but uh, but what I want is like there's something very like childish and sort of wonderful Mm. about this like where it feels like a lot of the the Ghibli stuff and the Ghibli stuff that we watched say last year which was obviously like Grave of the Fireflies to pick an example. But even My Neighbor Totoro had some stuff in there that was very kind of adult fear about losing a child or whatever. Mm -hmm. This feels much more 
kind of childish, perhaps in a sense of like it feels more like it could be a a Disney film almost, or like I remember Fern Gully, for example. Uh, in the I late mean, 80s. like people are like like very quickly killed. Like I don't think like the animation hides yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact <laughs> a lot of people are gunned down, uh, cut, cut to ribbons. I guess, uh, I guess we Stewart won't alone. talk about. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Like, I mean, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to police this in, in case, in case we ruin anything. That's, that's true. That's true. That's but, true. Um, there yeah, is no, no there blood is, in this. There is blood. There's, yeah. there's visible blood. Like, there will be blood if you watch um, this. Yes. Yeah. I think it's though what um, Miyazaki hasn't found in this movie that he finds in his later movies is that silence. And, like, not having the fear of, like, having, like, long sequences Mm. where there's no action Mm. and that where you can just sort of, like, sink into the world. The pacing of this actually feels a lot, like Darren was saying, like, a lot more Western, Mm. a lot. And, like, it works well because it's quite story driven and it actually doesn't suffer from what a lot of the later movies suffer for, which is the last 10 minutes they're like, Oh, we need to like wrap up the plot. <laughs> we forgot about that. Everything. Um, where you sometimes end up some of the uh, less well-conceived movies later in Ghibli. Like you get like a lot of like beautiful meditative kind of scenes. And then the last 10 minutes you're like, what is happening? There was a cursed prince the entire time. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. So I think, yeah. So in some ways the pacing is like more familiar, I guess, to like the animation mm. Certainly that like the Western animation that I grew up with. Yeah. It, it's kind of more similar to that. And yeah. even like, but then you still see that he's still developing some of the, like his trademark kind of body language. Um, You know what I mean? Um, Like the little, you know, he's very good at like kind of little natural movements and yeah. the way he animates his characters. And there are some little moments in that where you see the kind of seeds of that. Yes, yeah, so, that develops sort of later on. Yeah. Um, it is worth noting, actually, that like there is actually a word that uh, Maizaki uses to describe those moments of silence that you're talking about there, which he calls ma, uh, mm. which is emptiness, and it's there intentionally. And he says, the time in between my clapping is ma. Mm. If you just have non-stop action with, action with no breathing space at all, it's just busyness. But if you take a moment, then the tension building in the film can grow into a wider dimension. If you just have constant tension at 180 degrees all the time, you just get numb. And... There is a sense of watching Nausicaa that you're right, that it just, it's propulsive and it keeps going. And there's a lot going on. Like, there's a lot of information provided. There's a lot of, like, it's a, you know, we talked on the podcast before about world building. There's a lot of that in this, mm. actually, which is mm. quite surprising to yeah. me. I get the sense as well that that can't, that, that it's not a criticism that we can levy necessarily on, on, on Miyazaki. I, I tend, I'm tending, as I was watching it, I was thinking kind of like sympathetically. And yeah. I was thinking, this is stuff that has been asked to be included as in the like r- r- there there are so many scenes in this that could have been sort of silent still kind of like things unfolding um but in instead they they'd be like filled with spoken <laughs> exposition yes. yeah well um, that's the dub as well. like dubs yeah. are always have more spoken ex- exposition they have just to. Be- because um yeah, like just to fit it in, well, and also like I think there is also an assumption that they're just like Western audiences aren't going to get this yeah. more info. Yeah. Let's make sure we say they're this. Stupid thing. and smell like, like milk. There's a chance because I've never seen the sub, but there's a chance in the first opening moments of this film where she's by herself. 
Like there is no dialogue. I'm, I'm, I yeah. could be, I could be right about she's that. Wearing no she's wearing a gas mask. She's wearing a gas mask. You no don't jet, know um, the things like that's how you know she's talking when those are moving. Yeah. Well, so I mean, there's, there's a chance. Also, there's also a lot of internal monologue. Like, part of me wonders as well: is this a result of him adapting his own manga? The the manga was 863 pages long. Mm-hmm. The actual story that this is told in the film only covers about 210 of those pages. But even then, you're talking more than one page a minute in terms of exposition. And a lot of the, the stuff, a lot of the talking that fills the silence for me seemed to be stuff that was like, well, here's the backstory. Here's the political relationships. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's the technology. Here's my internal monologue that if uh, this were a comic book or a manga would be in a yellow box or in a, like a little caption box yeah. as opposed to delivered through, you know. Yeah. Here, here's me repeating that. That's a fair point. I yeah. think it's probably also that he, at this point, was still at the stage where he couldn't just do whatever he wanted. Yeah. It was yeah. like, That's this has to I be thought. marketable, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, um, the level of world building in this one, though, is quite interesting because, again, I think as, like, he moves on in his career, he feels that it's kind of, like that level of world building is just kind of less necessary. Yeah. Like if you compare it, like the most direct comparison that's usually made is Mononoke. Yep. And the world in, you don't get a sense of like the whole world in Mononoke. You know, it's actually right. quite, yeah. uh, Condensed quite an, even though it's like, uh, like in so many ways, technically a better film, you know, there is a sense of like, what is the wider world here? Whereas in this, you really do get a sense of like, this is an, a thing that's affected the entire earth and there are various nations. Mm. And there's a history. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's three separate happened. kingdoms yeah. and all kind of at war. Yeah. There's, there's a literal tapestry yeah. that, <laughs> that, that explains the whole thing Yeah, um, mm. during the credits. But Graham, actually, had you seen this before? Yeah, I had. Uh, again, much like Marianne, I had seen it in my teens. Um uh, again, because I discovered anime when I was a teenager, so I was like discovering all these different like types of animation that I'd never seen before or didn't realize I'd seen before. Pokemon was my first anime, and uh, I was I don't know was it seven or eight when we first kind of discovered that. Didn't even know it was an anime at the time, and so um, yeah, I watched this and I I liked it. I liked it a lot, uh, but I think I liked it for reasons that are a bit outside of its uh, own control. The fact that Patrick Stewart's in it. Uh, got me those like <laughs> oh cool like, it does Sh- have a great Captain Jean-Luc yeah. Picard is one of the main characters and is basically playing him Graham <laughs> have I told you you've got great taste thank you uh, well, I, I mean like it's just it's really cool I mean I even recognised Shia LaBeouf when I was a kid but that was probably because that was even Stevens era it's, Shia LaBeouf it's good to <clears throat> I mean that that you, we can give some credit to them for for, for choosing somebody I mean it it's it's an interesting thing because do you want to go with a voice actor that is that recognizable, or mm. do you want the audience to be like, <laughs> "Who that boy?" <laughs> that it is a tough question. That is Andrew. a tough question. That is very, and I think, and there, there is some debate in, in the anime community among that about whether it's better to go with recognizable dub actors mm. who maybe don't necessarily have training in right. terms of like vocal performances, mm. lip syncing, um, and that sort of stuff, as opposed to actors I will who are say, trained Darren, particularly for it. Yeah, though I will say, Darren. Nausicaa and I mean most most Japanese anime um, they go with the dub with 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 um, well trained dub actors like I recognized a ton of of voice actors like Frank Welker was in this Cam Clark who voiced Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in this these are they well do, known as voice actors oh yeah, like Frank but Welker's not Megatron. well known kind Frank of. Welker's well, Megatron well, I mean, even Mark Freddy. Hamill pops up as Mark the Hamill pops up in this yeah. for like a little bit and Mark Hamill's in L- L- Laputa and Castle in the Sky the next one 
Um, so, oh, also, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, he is the narrator, Ray... Winston. Uh, no. no. <laughs> it's Tony J. Tony J, excuse me, it didn't work out right. Tony J is the narrator, you hear him for like, I think Not the first Not that Tony part. J. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, it's really nice, they stick it, like, I mean, Uma Thurman's in this. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Well, you know that the lead role was originally supposed to be uh, Natalie Portman. Really? She was the one who was announced when, so basically... The, Wait, which era Natalie Portman? The story of Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, and, and I reckon that both you and probably Marianne know this story quite well, but the story of how Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, Valley of the Wind came to America is an interesting one, to say the least. Oh, no. It had a very limited theatrical release with subtitles in 1985. Right. It was then purchased by an international company, which decided to make it Saito? a... <laughs> so I know industries, um, but Going yeah, back. it was uh, it was basically purchased by an international company for distribution. They proceeded to cut it to ribbons, releasing a movie called Warriors of the Wind, oh. um, taking advantage of, as Marianne described, those mustaches that cover the mouths of so many characters, uh, but also and gas masks and gas masks as well. But also cutting out twenty five minutes from the film itself. Cutting out the entire environmental subplot. Inserting the panels. <laughs> Just to get the kids watching. Um, and also releasing a poster that famously didn't feature Nausicaa herself. Because girls didn't go to see is animated Nausicaa, action Is Nausicaa in the film? Because she has her face re- like removed. Like she has her mask oh, off for most of the film. Yeah, she is in the movie. Oh, okay. um, but right. like, the poster is entirely the male characters, including oh. various male characters who don't appear for a good like 40 oh. minutes before the film. I imagine like in. Shia LaBeouf's character. Um, but like Maizaki was famously so disillusioned with this that like when Harvey Weinstein got, came over in the, mid, in the late 90s and wanted to do Princess Mononoko, he said, look, we'll take it and we'll distribute it internationally, but we're going to have to edit it for an international audience. We've talked a little bit before about Cinema Paradiso and films like that, where the Weinstein Company would take movies uh, internationally and gut them and release them for American audiences. Miyazaki was so horrified by this that Ghibli actually sent a samurai sword to the Weinstein offices with no cuts engraved on it as a message. Miyazaki has since come out and said, yes, I managed to defeat the beast. Um, which, you know, it's, it's something to be quite proud of. What? No cuts on it. What does that mean? What's you can't on? cut the film. No cuts on the film. Oh, right. Okay. So he, was, he wanted to cut the film. Like, yeah. Oh, he wrote no cuts on yeah, it. Yeah, he wrote no cuts. Okay. Engraved on it. I thought it was like something like you have like a certain amount of cuts on a samurai sword and they like <laughs> I, signify different things. I don't know if Miyazaki can take credit for um, for defeating the beast <laughs> uh, I think completely he may, it when many it came decades to Weinstein. Later. I, think yeah, it, I, think Weinstein. It, I think it may be in this particular context that he's like talking. He, he, he was able to, I, of all the people who had to deal with him back then, he was able to like you know beat him in the sense that you can't touch my film. I think that's kind of the point he's making. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is also, this film is um, the start of Miyazaki's very grand and good tradition of very interesting female heroines yes that uh and also female foils to those heroines Mm. you know which i um is a theme in his films i didn't kind of notice until later but i mean i guess we can talk about more about nausicaa's character later but like as a princess figure yeah you know for uh something that was made in or conceived of in the early 80s it's like really interesting yeah it it is indeed and i mean like yeah, well, we'll talk about it probably on the other side of the spoilers and we'll get in, into that sort of thing. So I guess before we jump in there, we're going to ask three questions, right? Which is, 
I what, what three questions were we asked, Darren? It has been so long since we've done this. First question is, and I'm going to go with Graham first. Oh, God. Graham. Yes. Do you think that this movie belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies of oh, all that time? <laughs> oh, that one. That old chestnut. Um, oh, this is kind of tough, actually. I mean, yes. I, I will say tentatively, yes. I believe it's... There's a lot of beauty in it. I kind of wish, now that I've seen it, I kind of wish now, both times I've seen it, I've seen the dub. I kind of would have preferred this time maybe to have seen the sub. To have seen what it looks like in its natural state. Uh, but yeah, I believe tentatively I'll say yes, it, it belongs there. How high is it? Can I it's currently 216, number 216. That's a um, reasonable number for it. It is the second lowest uh, Miyazaki mm. film on there. It's just above Castle in the Sky. Mm. Um, in terms of anime, it's also above Akira. But it's kind of interesting because it's... I think part of the reason I wanted to do it uh, or this year... Was it? No. no or, or, or did this come into last year's kind of discussion? Yeah. I wanted to pick one that's going that, that's more <laughs> at risk of, of being knocked out of the list. And I think Akira met that. Uh, that criteria. Oh, well, <laughs> um, what did he say? Maybe you'll have to wait until next week to find oh, out. Oh, I think we've already spoken. We have indeed. About, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, yeah, about about that, that's coming up, that is coming up indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's kind of interesting though because this feels like the sort of early work of a director mm-hmm. that doesn't normally make a list like this. So like you think you'll say that the directors that the 250 loves and we're talking about people like say spielberg we're talking about people like nolan we're talking about people villeneuve. like hitchcock we're mm. talking about even villeneuve for example yes the 250s yeah. denny villeneuve they're highly established um, no but i mean like their films typically make the list in fact you can count on a new release from those directors entering the list more often than not but what's interesting is that many of their earlier efforts don't get in no. so for example nolan doesn't have insomnia in there he doesn't have following in there Spielberg doesn't have Jewel in there to pick is an Memento example. In there? Yeah, Memento, Memento is in there. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you have this sort of like, this feels, and it's kind of like what Marianne was saying, this feels like an early film, like from a director who's, from, and, a, and an auteur, to be honest, mm. so who's still figuring out what he's doing. Mm. And he's, he's got a great read on it here, but it feels more prototypical, I think, as Andrew described it. And it's kind of interesting that it, it made the list in those mm. terms. But Marianne, do you think this belongs on a list of the 250 greatest films ever made? I don't think I do and not because I don't enjoy it and find it very charming but certainly in terms of the animation that is also on the list I just don't really think it makes the cut you know I mean there I think there are uh, I should have looked at what Ghibli films are were on the list before I got here but um well, you, here hold on if only we had the list to hand so if only Castle Darren the sky's there. had the list in his brain so there, there is no list the list is in my mind can I guess do you want to guess okay. Spirited Away Spirited Away is at number one yes it's the mm. highest ranked Ghibli film on there okay uh, what's second Lupita Castle in the Sky is there Castle in the Sky is there but it's the bottom ranked one okay uh oh. Uh, we want to guess them. one, Marianne. Mononoke must be there. Yeah, it must be there. Yep, yeah. and then the other two that we How's covered. Castle Castle. Yep. Okay. And then obviously Grave of the Fireflies, okay. and also My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. Having covered those last year. I mean, uh, where's Pompoko, guys? Um, <laughs> yeah. Who's bouncing on their the scrotums? With those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, um, Andrew. We'll get to them. Um. Yeah. No, I just grassroots you know, campaign. People. That's enough, Ghibli on there for me <laughs> you know i feel like i also just like in general I, like the idea that uh certain directors dominate this list even when they're directors i really like is just kind of like okay guys we get it he's very good <laughs> yeah <laughs> some great work it becomes a thing then where it's like but he's better than spielberg 
And it is like he's it precisely was... as good as Spielberg. Exactly. And he's but... as good as Nolan, but Nolan was better for about a month and a half. Is that <laughs> the reason? I mean, I you're more familiar with the politics of these sorts of voting as I am. But is it that the the stands want there 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 to be kind of like at least just as much? <laughs> And matching um, the other ones. Yeah, yeah. I suspect that's a large part of it. Like, I mean, because you see these grassroots campaigns, and we talked about this in the podcast before, organized not only to get certain movies on the list. So, for example... Or to keep certain movies and off. And to keep certain movies mm-hmm. off as well. Like, it's very telling we didn't have a list just in for Captain Marvel, for example. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we talk about the worst thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yes, Marianne. Do, Marianne, do you think this belongs on the worst thing ever? <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to her. Oh, oh, you mean on the list? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry. yeah. Oh, the list. <laughs> what an interesting relationship just like, we have. It's, with... I just every time I'm here, I'm like, am I like validating Reddit? I'm giving them like too much, uh, too right. much power. It's, you know? it's like watching the movies they tell me to watch. Um... <laughs> it's it's like Groucho Marx. Uh, it's exactly uh, like Groucho Marx. Any club, any any club that would have me as a member, yeah. I wouldn't want to be uh, to to join. To paraphrase, I don't think they'd have me as a member. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just in terms of so Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think it belongs on the top two hundred fifty movies ever made? Um, I would say no, but but um, I think there are good reasons for it being on the list. I think I think um. As a movie, there, there, are, um, it has it has tons of charm, and I enjoyed it quite a lot. But um, there are also, I guess, weaknesses in it that I think, as I've kind of said, I, I'm not inclined to blame uh, Miyazaki for. I think it's, a, it's some somewhat a case of um, of early career not being able to fully ar- articulate maybe um, your creative instincts. Your pre-verbal phase, to, to kind of quote David Lynch. Right, exactly. Artistic development, yeah. But um, I, th- I think there, there's, there, there's important kind of uh, uh, zeitgeisty cultural reasons maybe for, 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 for this having a place on the list. Yeah. That are that are fairly obvious, but uh, uh, like we we can kind of well, I suspect we'll expand uh, on them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not like subtle. <laughs> no, no, it's a, um, <laughs> to, to, to this you movie. don't have to dig particularly no, deep. No, yeah, to find but they but they are themes that while kind of uh, maybe like you could say are could be a bit facile are very important. Yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, um, I just love the way we're all like obviously Miyazaki has never done anything wrong in his life (laughs) (laughs) even even, even while you're like yeah I take it off of this he doesn't need to be there but he's still but Miyazaki is not at fault guys (laughs) (laughs) he's a man removed from sin hero worship do you know how much that man loves cats it's an (laughs) awful lot (laughs) Um, but yeah and then the second question Uh, so Graham what this you, Darren? Yeah, Darren. Um, yeah, Darren, you always do that. <laughs> <Whoa>. Diplomat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would sort of agree with that assessment. I'm not sure that it necessarily needs to be on the top 250 movies. I think it's maybe, certainly Miyazaki's weakest of the movies that are placed in the list that I've seen. Um, now, I haven't seen Howl's Moving Castle, to be clear, and I haven't seen <gasps> Castle in the Sky. Uh, but yeah, of the ones that I've seen, this <laughs> the is two probably... castles. Both <laughs> 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 moving, I believe. We'll do them at the same time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but yeah, poor Princess Monoko. Uh, she's going to have to Mononoke. wait. Mononoke. <laughs> Darren, it's okay. It's second time. Like, in 
the notes to this podcast. Just like, or have like a point like at the at the front, like before the podcast starts to say this podcast may contain mispronunciations like, <laughs> by Darren and others. Mainly Darren, though. Um, it's okay. It, it, it is. It, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it go would, to the notes page. It would probably. For, for Marianne, do you get a nervous twitch whenever whenever a mispronunciation is made? No, I do. Um, it's great. I can make Graham quiver when I say Princess Mononoke. It's that was correct. That was very correct. Yeah. Well that yeah. was correct. Oh, I was trying to do it wrong. Um, <laughs> Just do that from now on. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> try to. Do I mean, I think wrong. we all have to accept that we're oh, pronouncing yeah. everything wrong. Oh yeah. To yeah. like anyone. Yeah. yeah. And it would be offensive if we pronounced it correctly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we all put on Japanese accents. Oh. And, um, yeah. So we're not doing that. Um, no. So Graham, yes. would this make your own list of your own favorite 250 movies? No, so, no, no. Right. Plain and simple, no. Um, I can appreciate the technical uh, aspects of it. Like I really enjoyed the color palette in this one. Like especially this one, uh, I really adored. Um, there's just something about the the sound quality, the sound aspects of it that just kind of just 263 colors were used. Wow. Um, in the production design. Famously, um, some difficulty with skin tones as well. So, like, she is wearing pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so hair. everyone, yeah. Yeah. It's quite I, I was, Actually, I was, to be fair, I thought it was quite I was obvious. wondering. I was going to talk on the, about that on the other side. But, yeah, <laughs> at, at some point, I I, I did wonder. If it, was, if so it was her skin, if it was, yeah, it was leggings. If it was her skin tone, that completely undermines that car- her for the entire film. Like, if that, if that were to happen. It was really clear to me that it was leggings. Yeah, me too. Just yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, they were they were they were pale yellow. Point, did it, did it, yeah, no, they were pale clear to um, me. But yeah, I, I love the sound. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a weird quality to it that I just I find very charming. And again, like this is probably just because I'm a sucker for nostalgia and remembering films, especially animation when I was younger. I I really enjoyed this film when I was younger, and I felt that same feeling watching it now. I don't think it would be in my own 250, but I can appreciate all the technical aspects that went into it because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful looking film. What colors did they, um, do, do you want, want to list, list all 263 colors? I'm okay, Mobs? Andrew. I think, I think we're okay. Uh, well, no, I'd like to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Marianne. <laughs> off Would it make your own? <laughs> Cerulean. Slightly <laughs> off white. Off white. Slightly more off white. But uh, Marianne, would it make your own personal 250 favorite movies ever? Uh, Darren, whenever you ask this question, the implication that I have a list of 250 <laughs> favorite movies is hilarious to me. I mean, it probably would, probably just because I would have difficulty making a list of 200. <laughs> probably have difficulty making a list of 250 movies that I've seen. So you know, I'd be like, yeah, let's put all the Ghibli on there. That's fine. That's fair. That'll um, take up what 20. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like I'm being glib, but that is the genuine answer. Like, it's. You're not being glib, you're being Ghibli. Um, Glibly. Studio Glibly. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) I don't think we're going to top that. Um, Sorry, Marianne, you were saying apologies. No, 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 that was the end. Andrew, go on. Well, I don't mean to be glib. I'm good. I am glib, glibly, gib. Ghibli, no, I'm just going to abandon that. Okay, um, good yeah. call. So would it be in my um, top 250 uh, personally? 
I'd say like currently I'd throw it in because we're 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 all gonna die and and the world wants us to. <laughs> oh, dark. Um, uh, so yeah, you yeah. Children? I, I, I feel There's I, nothing we I can do like, to stop it. Andrew. Yeah, for the moment, put this in. And the then, earth like, knows it is wrong. See for how us things to survive. Because I think our only salvation lies in picking movies <laughs> and talking about yeah. them once a week. Um, saving the world one movie Save, at a time. Exactly. Yeah. This this is the most important thing um, that, that our, our listeners do is listen to this podcast. Yeah. If you're going to do anything, <laughs> then, then, then listen. And I think it's important as well that you watch this movie. <laughs> but that's the next question. Yes, Andrew having preempted me. So let's jump straight to it. Graham, yes. would you recommend that people watch this movie if they haven't seen it already? Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're an anime fan. Especially if you are a Ghibli fan. It is, it's a must-see. Marianne. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to people who have no particular interest in Ghibli, because uh, I think it would be a strange one to uh, to start on. But what I actually think it would be really great for is as an introductory Ghibli movie for kids. Yeah. Because um, mm. I remember I tried to get my little cousins onto Miyazaki and started them with Spirited Away. They oh. were this like cousin Marianne being a giant weirdo again. Um, yeah, they didn't like it. Did, did um, they not get past it? pig scene no they just couldn't like it's just that they were like this is weird and it doesn't have like a narrative as like we, we as yeah, we are cut. used to consuming yeah. it and you know a lot isn't explained but this might actually be a good one for young kids because a lot is explained yeah yeah, yeah yeah so so that would be my opinion it's kind of interesting because it's been argued that Miyazaki actually owes quite a lot to say 50s disney and it, it's, it's in some ways feels like an offshoot of that before he sort of developed his own approach to narrative. Now, he's always got his own theme and ideas in there, but it feels, it does feel more conventional in that sense to me. Uh, um, having, having just come off um, for 40 hours of watching Le- uh, <laughs> David, uh, Lynch. David Lynch <laughs> and 18 hours of talking about it. Um, Good God. It, it's nice, I guess, to have a, um, <laughs> a, a movie that explains itself quite well. Yeah, that's very <laughs> articulate and yeah, clear. Yeah, but I'm not used to it um, anymore. Taking a I, while to reacclimatize. Yeah, I'm to like, it. why are they telling me all of these things? Like, can't I just figure it out for myself? <laughs> Never figure it impose out. Impose my own meaning yeah, upon impose it. Impose my own meaning. I remember sitting around listening to people say, and of course, um, Sarah Palmer is blah. And I was like, is that obvious? <laughs> because I didn't. That was about three thirty in the morning. Yeah, that was yeah, like a yeah. solid fifteen and hours was, into and it. And then it was like, do we want to talk about what the end of the movie means? Because we all know what it means, right? <laughs> right. Cool. Let's, um, let's, let's roll. talk about that. Right. And I was like, I just watched it. And I have no idea. All right. Um, but anyway, the, the, we, not, not, um, I think Nausicaa, you broke Andrew when you watched it. Would I recommend this um, to to other people? Yes, I would. Um, and um, it's it's. It's probably a good one for kids um, as as well. Not only as as you say, because there's lots of exposition in it, but also like <laughs> maybe in the in the in the hope that um, that because because we all watch Fern Gully and and maybe, maybe and nothing <laughs> changed. Nothing <laughs> changed. <laughs> yeah, maybe Tim Curry was more frightening. <laughs> Can Tim Curry be more frightening? That was um, the problem with that movie is that you were like, this sludge pile is kind of charming. Yeah, yeah. way too charming. It's too cool. We need more pollution yeah. so we can end up with more Tim Curry. You know, yeah. Tim Curry was famously fired from Batman the Animated Series playing the Joker because he was too scary. Really? I thought it was just they just re- replaced him. 
They replaced him with Mark Hamill. No, but that, I didn't think it was because he was too scary. Oh, yeah, well, that, 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 I don't know. I, one of the things I read was. So uh, I, I don't uh, have a citation to hand for it, but yeah. I like uh, casting for Cam Phillips, and they're like, uh, uh, they're holding like a headshot of Tim <laughs> Curry. And another one of. Um, um, I was going to say Alan Rickman. Okay. <laughs> they're like, I like how Alan Rickman closes his mouth a little bit more, so <laughs> Tim Curry. Alan Rickman <laughs> Tim Curry Alan Rickman um, yeah but I, also, I also feel like that conversation ends with only one of these is affordable on the budget that we yeah. have and they're like and one of go with Jeremy Irons guys <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Rockin' with Rickman podcast uh, thank you um, but yeah so we're going to segue neatly this far and then we're going to talk about a movie a bit more deaf but yeah if you have Darren, a chance run out what about you I would recommend watching it entirely. I think I would agree pretty much with what yourself and Marianne said. I think it's a great movie that's very accessible for kids. It's much more conventional in terms of its narrative. So it doesn't have, like, again, I love the other Ghibli films. In fact, I think this is probably weaker than a lot of the Ghibli films I've seen. But in terms of an accessible point, it's recognizable in terms of having a three-act structure, having a narrative, having a sense of propulsion through it. That probably makes it friendlier for audiences that are used to Western animation Mm. and the conventions of it. And so, yes, I absolutely would recommend it entirely. And think that it might serve as sort of like a springboard for people who are like maybe looking to dip their toe into Japanese animation, perhaps. It's a, it's a gateway game. Yes, it's a, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Andy. Wicked, nice. And we're not going to top that, so join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. La, 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 Spoiler zone. So, Marianne. What is Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind about for you? I will answer that question, but first I want to address the fact that it's never made clear if that uh, song, the la 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 theme, is that the Om singing? Or is it her memory? Or is it Nausicaa? Yeah. Is it diegetic or is it extra diegetic? Yeah. I feel like but, it's her memory. But is it the Om? That's like the very important question. Is that their song? They should have the, the shots of the, like, the Om stampeding, but with the... <laughs> La, la, well, la, the thing la, is that that, 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 that comes up. That that song comes up whenever an ohm seems to connect with her. That yes, song with, starts whenever with, an ohm. So is that in their yes. head? If the ohms were a sculpture, so made them mad. But then again, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, what the ohms just gave in the face us Marianne just with made this there. song. Sure, it's an Elton John reference. Yes. Um, great. <laughs> <laughs> um. What was the question? What is Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind about for you? Um, it's a very strong, uh, action-packed fantasy story uh, that does a very good job of its world building and has some important messages, uh, the most important of which probably being that even though bugs are very, very ugly, you shouldn't judge them. Because they might be nice. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah. With their little red eyes as well. But, but, but again, this is kind of interesting in terms of the movie's environmentalism. Because this was... My a Ghibli movie with environmentalism? I know. What, what it, almost as if this is one of his recurring themes as a writer and Before director. Before we move on to the next paragraph of your notes. <laughs> <laughs> will, will we talk about the, uh, the, the, 
the issue of 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 kind of like a accepting um, <laughs> accepting bugs and other yes. like bug like yeah bug like entities. I think it's very important because they do say that it's uh, the bugs that will survive when the planet that is true inevitably yeah. dies. Cockroaches will live and but also some other bugs. I don't think it's just cockroaches. And because there are also like species of bugs that we don't even know about yet. Mm. How are they doing? We yeah. don't know. Um, Propaganda for cockroaches. Yeah, it's just I like the use. I like the I like the use of bugs, guys. <laughs> like, the baby was, Ohm was adorable. Well, but like it's interesting that it is adorable by the like they, by the time movie gets it's there. It's very. Um, adorableizing of these bugs <laughs> you know by the end you're like i feel empathy for mm. these like ugly ugly creatures yeah. you know which the, th- the baby ohm is, is like the baby elephant from the jungle book yeah. it's like yeah also yeah. all the scenes of the ohms swarming are exactly the same animation temp- template as the boars going to war in mononoke are they? It's the same. That swarm. They're the same, same shape. They would be the same shape. Yeah, yeah, they're the same shape, and it is the same. Yeah. And I was like, it wasn't just Disney who did that. But fair enough. It's probably <laughs> I mean, like quite it's his hard first to film. It's his yeah. first film. So I, I imagine, I, yeah, you've earned a bit of a break yeah. with that. Yeah. I like this as well because they 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 do this in the Amazon where they where they cut down a tree, just the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Somebody's uh, only ever cut down a single tree in the Amazon. Yeah, so it's fine. Um, and they, I think they, they were able to discover kind of uh, you know, this may be fact check at a later date, but I think there was something like thousands of new species of bugs and other kind yeah. of li- living creatures that uh, well, this, just, this just from inspired, exploring this one tree. Yeah, this inspired an episode of the X-Files where like, again, because Canada, because budget reasons, mm. uh, <laughs> you know, they had the sort of like the loggers who accidentally awakened like zombie hordes of insects that like cool. consumed and yeah. yeah. I think it's, I, I've heard this stat about the Amazon too, but like slightly different, but it's, I, I don't know the exact like square meterage. But basically, on average, there are something like 300 species of bugs no one has ever encountered in an alarmingly small mm. square meterage in right. the Amazon, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's apparently dozens and dozens and dozens of species that haven't even been identified within the rainforest. Like, they're most densely populated areas on the planet in terms of life, and most of that is bug-based. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's, like, the interesting use of kind of, like, the forest... And, like, obviously, Miyazaki comes back to the forest. Like, he loves forests. He comes back to them again and again. But, like, this idea of the toxic jungle and the jungle fighting back against humanity, like, unbeknownst to humanity, actually trying to preserve itself Mm. and the planet. I mean, that's, like, some pretty advanced Mm. stuff, you know, um, that is... I think explored in a very accessible way. Yep. You know? Very much so. I, I was going to jump onto something in my notes and it wasn't a different topic. It was actually related to this. <laughs> okay. We'll see. <laughs> oh, oh, fine. We, we, we will be the judge of that apparently. But you know, like one of Maizaki's in- inspirations for this yeah. was the, um, the infamous uh, dumping in Minamata Bay in 1956 in which the Chizo Corporation uh, dumped a large amount of mercury into the water. Uh, which rendered the entire environment basically uninhabitable for people primarily and for fishermen who had been taking fish out of the bay. In fact, this went on for like five years before the company accepted any liability for it. It was five more years before it was actually found out as well. So a decade of mercury pumped into the water 
It was like a, a harrowing sort of crisis, a sort of a natural disaster on an incredible scale. Like this one, this horrible humanist disaster. There's like the wonderful photo from W. Eugene Smith, probably his most famous photo, of uh, Tomoko uh, Umura in her bath, which kind of captures the human scale of this, this horror and this atrocity. But what interested uh, Miyazaki about this natural disaster in particular was that once the fishermen figured out that the water had mercury in it and it was poisoned and they couldn't harvest from it, he noticed, he read reports that actually the wildlife, including bugs and fish and all the other animals around, began adapting mm -hmm. to the mercury. So without mankind around to intervene and poach and fish, wildlife actually, strangely enough, an environment that was toxic and destructive and mm -hmm. infectious and damaging, mm. uh, somehow find a way, found a way to almost prosper, mm. uh, which wouldn't have been possible if that disaster hadn't happened in the first place. And I find that kind of interesting in terms of the toxic forest. Now, was it a different topic or was it the same topic? Well, life will find, find a, way. a way. Good old uh, Jeff Goldblum. But yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, 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 there's something <laughs> in your notes there. But, um, <laughs> but no, no, yeah. The, 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 that's the, incredible. That's, uh, that's, that's fascinating. They, but they really messed up the earth, haven't we? Well, I think <laughs> that's the thing is, though, is that like, you know, the line you often hear is like, we're killing the earth, we're killing the planet. And it's like, the planet's going to be fine, lads. It's us who aren't going to be fine. What right. we're doing is making the planet uninhabitable for ourselves. Well, and all the species that we're rendering extinct as a result sure. of our actions. Yeah, also, also them. But like, if you're like <laughs> but like, even if you want to take the most selfish point of view yeah. of, you know, the environmental crisis... Mm. Like the idea, I like I, and I've always like been a fan of this idea that the Earth itself is self-sustaining. You know, it will adapt. It will find a way. Life in forms that we might find strange and ugly and upsetting will find a way. And I think it's interesting, like as well, that the arc in Nausicaa is kind of humanity, like learning to take responsibility. Yeah, and being like, oh, even though it was this long ago that this thing happened. Like, we are still to blame, mm. ultimately. They never really explain about the fire warriors. No, the, like, the, it was a thousand years ago, and it was seven days. Mm -hmm. And in seven days, they massacred humanity. The giant warriors. Yeah, yeah, the giant warriors. They massacred with their staves of light. I mean, yeah. like, I, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be, like, that guy who's, like, reducio ad absurdum, or whatever, redu you know, reduced to... to reducio ad absurdum. Yeah. What does that, that mean? Guy. I don't want to be <laughs> no. that dude. Be that guy, I don't want to be the guy who's like, just jump in like, and fly. Tell us. Oh, no, no, but I mean, like, I don't want to be like their. Do you mean the, Reducio del Toro? <laughs> <laughs> that famous, respected actor or director, depending on how you choice. Your choice. Yeah. choice. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's more like are they stand ins for like atomic fire and mankind's ability to destroy the world as Japan has a unique understanding? I mean, like, it oh, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to, but I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, because this is a film made in Japan in the 1980s, it has to be defined by that. But, uh, I feel like if you went up to Miyazaki and was just like, I don't want to put a label on some of your films, but you know, it's this, no, this, and no. this, I imagine he'd go. You know what? You got in one man. Well done. No, no but I, I mean, feel like he'd be like I mean, that. Like, I don't want to be the guy who's like everything in Japanese culture is defined by the dropping of the atomic bomb, basically. But it did feel watching it that it was a little bit, particularly because we're going to be talking about a movie next where I feel like that's going to come up a bit. Have you? Is it the Wolverine? <laughs> it <is> yeah. The... <laughs> where he gets beaten up with metal bats. Um, I think even though the scene where we actually see the half-formed giant 
warrior and like the flesh is literally, yeah, literally like, falling sloth, off it. Sloughing? Slough? Is yeah. that the yeah. word? Off like its, its bones? bones aren't even fully formed. That, and that is like so evocative of like the impact of yeah, radiation yeah. and yeah. nuclear war. You know that this weapon itself is literally destructive, like, like, uh, but also like self-destructive. Yeah. Like it's t- like, and that's obviously one of the most graphic moments. Yeah. in the entire film. In this film, which is like, you know, weirdly like, and especially compared to some of the stuff that like, because obviously Mononoke is kind of like the spiritual successor, successor in terms of them. Mm. Um, exploring a lot of these themes but in some ways nausicaa does it with a lot more complexity i think and like doesn't kind of uh ground it so much in kind of mm, spirituality and forests and magic like it's quite bleak yeah. you know so and i mean there's yeah. even the line where they're talking about where the, the sort of they're talking about the the giant warrior and you know you have that line about how we'd never use the warrior as a weapon Mm. which is this again this idea of the warrior as, then? as a deterrent <laughs> shortly before the warrior is in fact used as a weapon yeah but by, not by those not by the but those people were always going to use him yeah as a weapon well, yeah, they were won't always necessarily be the person as a, who as created an, yeah. kind of wise, that scene is amazing too. when he just comes up and she goes shoot fire like the the, the blast the, the sheer scope of the destruction he causes it's one of them dangerous and it's lazy because you're stealing things uh, that um, you put uh, no effort into acquiring and uh, sorry is this David Lynch again? this is uh, no, sorry Jeff, this Jeff is Jeff Goldblum is it? yeah so I this, beg your pardon this is um, but yeah the actual the, that animated sequence is interesting because that's the one that's uh, been re- reproduced for live action in the Ghibli Museum Ooh. and in fact for listeners we'll have it in our show notes you can watch a live action recreation of that scene if you would want to which is overseen by Hideki Anu, who uh, whose work on NGE which we'll be nice. covering at, hopefully at some point soon but he animated the God Warrior sequence um, and he's also Maizaki said like after his retirement that he wouldn't mind seeing which one? Hayo <laughs> Mazaki. Uh, but yeah, he said that he wouldn't mind seeing a sequel um, to Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind covering like the other 600 pages of the oh, manga that he wrote. Oh, that'd be Those nice. old lads having a crack. <laughs> I see that. Like, like, two hours like, of how that. much did you say? It was 200 and something pages. <laughs> yeah, there's a really great sequence in the credits where it's just yes. like, all, <laughs> all the old people just laughing. And it's great. It's clearly like um, 24 frames on looper for like a good five seconds. Um, had you said but, what it was 200 Mario? something pages covered this yeah. first film yeah. it could be put into a trilogy it could indeed um, the best sequence in the entire film is when the old lads are doing what would typically be the um, uh, speech that makes um, the hardened oh, rally the hardened gen- <laughs> gen- general <laughs> see the error of her ways and understand and they're like we must live in harmony with the forest yes the forest is this and that and she just <laughs> nopes out of there just like walks off screen peace out <laughs> walks away yeah. Yeah. it's not even like a run or a, like a strong moment it's just like drifting it's she's like- just like this doesn't interest me and, and like I think and I also do wonder is that the dog that they were like we need to get more in here of mm. like their chat but like she's already walking <laughs> yeah. away as it's happening I do love the idea that she circled came back around and they were still talking yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because uh, what's her name in Mononoke Lady sorry oh uh, I don't know Lady she's the bad one Lady Hiroshi Mm, the I one who's all about the future and yeah, well, and... but it, like in Mononoke, it's kind of similar. Like she's not presented as 
like wholly evil like she really mm. cares about her people and the town but like um kind of exploiting the earth is the only way she sees forward for humanity and she's actually never uh turned from that path no yeah. even at the end of the film she's still like her values haven't changed yeah. and it's very much the same with the general character in this whose name i can't remember either um but she is very much like and also represented like when we see that she's actually oh, oh uh, uh is it kuratoa yeah kuratoa the, 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 the guy was like, hmm. No, 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 the, the oh, lady, the, the lady yeah. general. She, um, is she, she's, is she a queen? Or? She's a princess, but she's also the commander. Yeah, of right, the, right, right. The played by Emma Thurman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and she, like, she's also represented, and like, it's really interesting that this was something that Miyazaki was good at, even like very early in his career, that like, she has nuance. Yeah. Like, yeah. you realize, oh, she's missing at least one limb. Yeah, and other and, things. Yeah, she implies that like, she's been very badly, like, disfigured or whatever. Mm. Yes, like, through encounters with the toxic jungle and the bugs. So you're like, oh, wait, this is someone who has principles and has like, really like, legitimate grievance yeah, with this thing. Anger. You know, and her point of view isn't represented as wholly illegitimate. No. Yeah. You know, no. in a movie that's obviously very yeah. strongly environmentalist, but, there is sympathy for the idea that, like, humans feel the need to kind of exploit their environment in order to progress. To feel strong, to, to feel in control. Well, I mean, sure. What stuff they are clearly not in control of. Well, I mean, even, even at the end where she refuses... against kind of yeah. these threats. Yeah. And because, like, they, there, there are a lot of people who are just kind of carried up in this and, oh, oh, hum, hum, uh, let's go oh, off That's only because of their mustaches, any, any, any excuse, and they're all men. Well, but Mar- for, Marianne for... noticed that some of the bugs seem to be caught up in that as well, some of the own with their eyes. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> 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 Some of them are blue. It was the flying ones. Yeah. There's a scene where I was like given out. Andrew cars. gave out to me for making this joke during the movie, but it only worked with the visual on screen, Andrew. I'm going to explain it now and it's not going to be funny. There's a scene. Not now, because we've already heard it. <laughs> you can slap him. So in the film, the bugs' eyes glow blue when they're like grand and grow red when they're like blind with rage so you see like a load of angry bugs swarming as this like massive red lights coming out of the forest but some of them are blue yes. like there's a few blue dots in that swarm who are just the bugs who are like hey guys like what's happening <laughs> <laughs> like where are we hey, going, what's going down? <laughs> it's like the bugs who are like i just i just woke up we're doing what now <laughs> like, I, feel, I feel all humans you say I, I, I like mean, the, I haven't got a. I've got a Saturday free. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the humans started like that as well. Like there was just one red kind of uh, one with like a golden arm who had a, g- a genuine grievance, mm. and and the rest of them were like, they did what? Well, it's interesting. Um, Masaka is dressed in red at one point um, to kind of encapsulate everyone is enraged, and then she's covered in the blood of an ohm, and it dies to blue. Well, I mean, like I mean, it, it, the film also repeatedly parallels and contrasts the idea of humanity and the ohm mm. like the literal the, you're introdu- introduced to Nausicaa when she's crawling around inside the toxic forest having basically clawing the eye off an ohm so she can sit inside it and literally see the world through the eyes of another creature should we Which, explain what ohms are oh they're giant who they're giant, maybe like, seen bug, the movie. They're giant bugs nobody should listening shouldn't have, should have <laughs> not yeah, seen the movie because yeah. if you're listening, listening to this, this point they're listening it's like, podcast what the, what, what is and you ohm? haven't seen the movie then you've become addicted to this podcast and, <laughs> and have that's a okay. problem that's, but that's and okay and I feel sorry for you <laughs> and it's okay <laughs> but yeah no so, so she crawls inside I really like by the way that 
the movie does that thing that I really like in films where it goes through a lot of, there's a lot of attention played to process mm-hmm. and mechanics you'd love that. and how things work and like there's a moment yeah. later on where she's like underneath the toxic forest and there's like you see the soil coming down there's actually the decayed trees and that gets in and that purifies the environment and you get to see it happening in the background and it's like wow this environment is fully formed and well thought out but there's a lovely moment where like at the start she finds the husk of a dead ohm well, no no it's it's shedded skin it's shedded skin sorry and she finds sort of the husk of it and she's trying to cut it with her sword and it won't cut she very helpfully explains to the audience who have just seen the sword not cutting that the sword is in fact not cutting. Um, to explain she, how sharp the sword is. But yeah. she comes up with the, the concept of like putting gunpowder around the edge of the eye, sparking it and blowing it open so that she can crawl inside the eyelid mm-hmm. and sort of look outwards. But that's a nice little sort it's of lovely. metaphor that draws it. Like that, that again is like seeing yeah. the world to the eyes of another. But uh, you're you're talking there about like her dress being red. Yeah, it goes from red and, to blue. And the idea of rage as yeah, well. It's, yeah, yeah. The idea is that, like, when her father is killed, and she actually talks about it as a blind rage, when her father is killed, she storms into the room and starts brutally murdering people. Like, ridiculous. Quite expertly, might I add. Like, she is not touched. Like, they they don't land a hit. And she takes out, like, five or six of them. But the idea there is to suggest that, again, that the idea is humans can be enraged and mm. we can behave like animals, just she like animals. She feels a great shame. Like, yeah. uh, it's interesting, Miyazaki does this in a lot of his films. The hair, her hair rises yeah. when she starts to get angry. And he does that in a lot of his films when something uh, bestial is something is about to come over. Like, a human, or even just an animal who has fur. Like, like the fox she, squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who, well, we're going to talk go- about the fox squirrel uh, in a moment. Goddamn God, fox squirrel is so goddamn adorable. Um, and it like her hair like literally like an animal their hair rises and she just runs at them and it's it's quite it's quite impactful. but it's very much like the ohm the yeah. ohm are enraged as well because someone they love has mm. been taken away from but them but it's really interesting that in Mononoke you have the main character why can't I remember any of their names <laughs> who's the name, main character the last the dude yeah what's his uh, name I can't remember it's yeah. been so long since I watched Mononoke um, I watched it recently and I can't remember his uh. name but the main lad in Mononoke he is actually taken over by a, a literal representation of yeah, that the kind demon, of isn't it? animal rage yeah that's like this like demon slime thing that takes over Ashitaka, his arm Ashita- Ashitaka yeah yeah it's so, Hugo and, his first name um, mm. when he uh, when the demon kind of takes over it has that same uh, effect that Graham was describing that his hair literally stands on end and you can see his arm pulsing mm. so it's like it's a, a style it's like a, <laughs> but it's like an early kind of representation of that idea that's then taken to its logical Extreme. conclusion in mm. Mononoke yeah um, it's also interesting I, that Monon- uh, sorry um, in Nausicaa after Nausicaa does that she has the sad revelation oh my god I've killed now I feel so bad about it yeah she never kills again she, she doesn't looks, put up arms against anyone she looks pretty ready to kill those two guys if but they she doesn't yeah. she does the point is she has a full character arc where she's like I, I don't want to harm anyone ever again I even even these horrible despicable people who've done this horrible thing to this poor little ohm she's she has a full character journey of she learns about all this kind of stuff and yeah, grows I, I as feel, a person I feel like she could have shot them a little bit and not killed them <laughs> yeah. and that would have been fine <laughs> would have been you fine shot me in the shoulder you shot and, me oh, in, she did, the yeah, and in the ankle then she got put into You're, some acid lake I mean well, let's, see, let's see how you like this yeah. wow Andrew yeah but it, it is like she comes like full pacifist in that she's like the yeah. destruction of any life yeah is where, like, bad the, where like, the guy thinks that she's a 
she's a she's a, a celestial being. He goes, it's 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 Lestelle or something. No, she puts no, her hands that's, in. Um, that's the, the princess, the princess yeah, he, of he, their kingdom. It's oh, because of her outfit. He's like yeah. suddenly like it's the princess. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. the same res- response, I think, that um, her brother has. Had yeah, when he first sees her. Yeah, Shia it's yeah. very it's very it's very like the um, the the. Um, the Snyder masterpiece. Ah, uh, uh, BVS. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. I remember super yes, Martha. I remember why, why did you Man. say that name? That was cut from this version. <laughs> you can see that when the, when the yeah. co-pilot hasn't pushed back, it's like, why? Why did you say that name? Mm. Yeah. Um, can, yeah. Can, I, can I bring up something? I don't know how you guys will feel about it. Can we talk about how, like, it's 1984 when this film comes out? Yep. Yeah. The film is 35 why years old. Why has it taken 30 plus years to get... A female princess character as strong as as Nasca. I don't feel like there was any like compared compared. She's she's smart. She's strong. She's she's like she's she's adored. She's 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 everything. She's per, she's technically perfect. But I don't feel like we 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 at least in maybe Western audiences got anyone nearly as close to that in a long time. Oh, we totally did. We've had Mulan, did we? Mulan and stuff. But you, but yeah. I mean, like. Princess, like I mean, I suppose I'm counting princesses. Sure, it's interesting that she's very explicitly a princess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, like, and Miyazaki, again, always does this, where he avoids the trope of, like, yeah, she's smart and strong and capable, but everyone's constantly amazed by it. Like, at <laughs> no point is, like, anyone, like, isn't it amazing that she's good at fighting? Like, it's all just accepted it's, as yeah. fact yeah. that, of course, our princess is this capable. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. like, there's moments where they're cowering inside the ship going, when's the princess going to yeah. be back to save yeah. her? <laughs> yeah. I think everyone... Edward James every, Elmos is like, what the... Where is I know, she? right? <laughs> everyone is impressed by her, but there's a no point at which she has to prove herself no. to them. No. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're all like, oh, she can do that. Like, too. even this, said it from the, is, like, um, uh, like I am, I'm blown away by, by, by how capable she like is. Like Lord Yupo even says, they say it. that out this loud. baby, this, <laughs> ba- this baby, looks strong, strong and strong and sturdy, much like the princess did when she too was a baby. Yeah. Oh was... Lord Yupo, you are a charmer. Um, oh, stop it, engage. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it is really what nice. What a strong baby you have. <laughs> it is really nice to see. Uh, like again, oh, not, for, also, sorry, I just want to say I'm not dumping on Mulan. No, no, of course. I just don't yeah. count her as a but, princess. But even like um, Mulan and like Moana and like any later princesses, you, you know, they have to go through an arc of like Andrew says of like proving themselves. Yeah. Yes. Right. Whereas the we, father who's like, why aren't you get yeah. married? And then they're yeah. like, oh, because I'm a real person. And like, Go back to work at a restaurant. Stop talking to that frog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird one to go to. Um, Tiana is great. Um, yeah. But. Um, I think it is that a really interesting that we're just introduced to this world and there is a princess who's unambiguously a hero, mm. like an action hero mm-hmm, specifically, yeah. um, who's also like strong and smart and capable and beloved and that is never questioned. Yeah. But also interestingly, she's a character who's like not afraid to cry. No. I'm not afraid to like have a big emotional yeah. breakdown. Like she's not, it's not like that part of her is locked off. It's not like, yeah, it's not so. like, you know, um, that she's just like been given like, you know, yeah. uh, typically masculine traits and right. all she goes. So like Princess Kushan, yeah. the general, she too also commands great respect from her, all her forces. Yeah. Like, so the minute she sets on, st- the minute you see her, it's just like, 
they all just kind of just they step back they immediately listen to yeah. it there's never any moments of doubt there's no but she also leads her own troops into battle and stuff like that yeah. as well yeah. that's true yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's kind of proven herself yeah. um, again I, I hate to say that it's just it's it's clear the world has already set up that she too is a great force and yeah. Sorry. Sorry, you go on. I, I, and even when, like, Kurosawa is like, oh, my, um, my <laughs> uh, ambitions are, uh, may oh. finally be met. As soon as the she comes Chris back, Sarandon. he's like, oh, that didn't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he sound like Tim Curry? Uh, <laughs> it's quite literally, yes, that dream well, didn't Prince last Humperton. long. That dream from Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah where, where, um, where he realizes very quick, it's like, no, I'm not going to struggle again. <laughs> well, we have to admire how far he's come despite his terrible facial palsy that's obviously yeah. afflicted him for a long time. Good for him. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I do like, by the way, and again, like he's one of the rare cases where like the bundle of exposition, like the sort of so like, much. almost works, if only because like Chris Sarandon's not afraid to ham it up like he's oh, in a pantomime. Amazing there's, a really, there's a moment where he's monologuing to like the giant warrior, yeah. which is this like in womb sort of slumbering giant. <laughs> By the way, again, if you want to talk in terms of like the nuclear parable, like you're awakening long lost ambitions, even for an old soldier like me. So he's literally waking a sleeping giant. giant. Yeah. But yeah. anyway... There's like the moment where like he, he has a little, with it. He has a little private moment with it with where the scientists are away and he's like, uh, so is this lowly soldier on the path to ambition or the path to ruin? And it's like <laughs> it's a, it takes a very strange character to sell that as somebody who would actually say that out loud. Mm. But I kind of buy it in this case. And then it yeah. smiles at him. <laughs> He's He almost as well delivers that like a throwaway. Like, am I on the path to ambition or the path to ruin? Both are equally acceptable to me. Yeah. I'm not worried about the other one. It's like, yeah. all right. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a Sunday to me. Yeah. But, I'm like, just having fun. I'm just uh, filthy. But I filthy think adventure. The, I want to keep talking about women, please. Oh, and <laughs> sorry, the, sorry. the thing that... Again, Miyazaki does throughout most of his movies and like lots of female heroines. Lots of, is that Miyazaki as well has never been a director who has just like one vision of female heroism. Like you've got um, like just, you know, Sen in Spirited Away, Mononoke, Kiki, like all of these female characters who are strong and brilliant in different ways. But also what he does, which is really crucial. I mean, Sophie's my favourite. Yeah. Like, Sophie's my yeah. Favorite. You know, it's what is really crucial is that he has other female. It's not just like one female character in a sea of men who is now has the burden of representing all women right. in this narrative. So in this, you've got Obaba, who is like kind of the old crone figure. That's what that means in Japanese. Yeah. That yeah. means old hat. Yeah. Um, you've got... Um, the general oh, just hold close to the own will come and there's nothing we can do to yeah it's really bleak to say to a bunch of six year olds yeah she's yeah like the old lady with no filters fantastic that's Tressa McNeil she like she does it so many voices the yeah. earth knows it is wrong for us to survive yeah. Good God. and you've got the great scene where the Pejaj women help mm. Nausicaa escape which is like because they're ashamed of what the men have done. Oh yeah, and it's like yeah. a great thing, like you know, a great representation of like women and like femininity and like a gentle, forgiving approach as like a source of healing. Yeah. You know, and in contrast to hypermasculinity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like again, like Miyazaki does this throughout most of his films, but it's amazing to see that it was kind of there, fully formed, like right at right, the yeah, outs- yeah. outset of his career. You know, I also found it interesting after watching this film. 
I, my eyes were opened at to, as to the level of this. Like, I didn't realize it until, like, it's not like it's always bang, bang in your face with his heroines. They're just there. They're just great characters. Like, like it's talking about it now, and after watching Nausicaa, it's just like, yeah, he's he seems to have always had great female heroes. And it's it's weird that I've only noticed it now, but it's, I mean, it's it's... It's just amazing, and all it, it seems like the majority of his films, I can't think of any of his films, maybe Pompoko, but I mean, like, I can't remember a female character, but there's just so much scrotum in that. Yeah, it's very scrotum centric. <laughs> so much. It feels like you have to get all of that out in one movie, it's going to look like it's that. It's fair, yeah. maybe. But I mean, even like in Mononoke, I've said even in Mononoke, but <laughs> 70 times during this podcast, so I apologize. But it's got yeah. two great female leads. Yeah, but like, exactly, like, Ashitaka is technically the main character, but mm. really he's the lens through which we're witnessing yeah, this conflict eyes. between Hiroshi and Mononoke, both of whom are like morally compromised characters. Right. But also very they both strong. Have skin in the game. Yeah, a very strong, very principled in different ways. But by no means are either, like, I mean, neither of them, you, I wouldn't describe them as a hero. You know, but it's interesting that, like, Western animation and even, like, the fact that Darren was talking about that when Nausicaa was originally released in the West, they took Nausicaa herself out of the marketing material. They didn't just take her out, they renamed her as well, by the way. Like, so it, it was, uh, she became Princess Zandra. Um, in Warriors of the Wind. Does that have to do with the fact that maybe the dubbing was difficult, so they just went with what they could work with? I love the idea of the actors being like, I can't read this, what's that over the A? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, so obviously Western animation has had to go on this journey, like, to let women be strong and now whenever they do it it's like they've performed a magic trick they're like look at our strong women did you guys see that like let us point it out again in, whereas Miyazaki doesn't feel the need no. to point it out in you the, know hey, did you see Record Elf 2 yeah. look what we did with all the princesses yeah literally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Miyazaki did that maybe three decades ago yeah. I mean like we, we, were, we covered Beauty and the Beast in this podcast it would be a later one Wait, which Disney one? Um, the, the animated one oh, but okay. I mean like even then you had like Disney's first female writer who was like well I had to have a whole lot of discussions with male animators about what exactly I wasn't going to do with this female character because it was so ingrained. What if yeah. you don't if you remember and if you don't mind saying what would that have what did that entail? It was more along the lines of like having her want a husband from the outset and stuff oh, okay. like that and oh, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. You've got um uh really this is like a slight segue, but in the Disney canon it's typically accepted like with um the sort of main pre- princesses, the progression is so you've got Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella and Snow White, who are kind of the classic princesses, like quite passive, just sort of like Wait for waiting prince. around for whoever to One help. One of them is literally waiting. Yeah, like literally yeah. like to, waiting to around to in be... In a glass case. Or to even like be... Like even Cinderella is like, I need a fairy godmother. Snow White's like, I need the seven dwarves. Like, yeah. you know, they need help. Then the next generation are Ariel, Jasmine and Belle, who are like more curious about the world, kind of have their own wants and desires but are still ultimately like they don't want to be defined by men they don't want to be defined by men but But they all end up with but they all yes but also ultimately their story arc is about finding finding love somewhere unexpected and then you've got Mulan Tiana and Mm. who's the third one that I'm forgetting do we need to go to the fact machine? Fact machine, okay. Um, but yeah, so basically okay, there's or this not. new... Or not. <laughs> well, you can, well, you can go to the fact machine while... We don't uh, want dead air. While I continue to make my point. Yeah. Is that... Apologies. Um, that, um, that they're the, prince, the first princesses who are like really in control of their own destiny, who make like an active choice um, to take control of their own lives. Pocahontas? 
Pocahontas, yes, exactly. So yeah, like, you know, like Pocahontas makes the act of choice. And this was like really, I mean, also like the, we won't go into the really troubling, that one. the troubling <laughs> um, whole story, like real life story that Mel Pocahontas Gibson is. Mel as, as John Smith. But, so, um, yeah. but um, the fictional Pocahontas ultimately makes the decision that her role as the ruler of her people mm. is more important than this white dude then it's and, undone by the sequel and uh, which we don't acknowledge it's like Disney <laughs> Australia which we haven't watched there was one Robocop movie yeah. <laughs> and interestingly also it is the three princesses of colour who are also the ones that are independent who, who are well not even independent but like in control of their own destiny yeah. who like drive the plot in more significant ways like because like with Jasmine Bell and Ariel it's very much like well, Jasmine is of, of colour but yeah in terms oh yes of, like, of course yeah sorry, like but of, like, um, yeah I mean yes Jasmine yeah, is like crucially Secondary, not yeah. Um, yeah. but also like even though they have like uh, like curiosity about the world and want to be in control of their own destiny it is ultimately still like a series of things happening yeah it's out of their them, control you know so um, so yeah that's just a segue that you may not leave in the podcast or not. But, um, but my point is, I guess, kind of, is that obviously, like, that's how long it took Disney to get there. And you know? Steps, yeah. 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 I think in defense of animation, um, now and perhaps in the past have generally been um, superior in terms of, like, uh, re- re- uh, representation and uh, thematically than... Um, than live action movies, I think. And, and I'm not comparing kind of animated Disney to live action Disney. I mean more kind of like... You um, can do that now. Yeah, yeah. They, they, um, I mean more in terms of um, like being uh, sophisticated and um, like the representation of kind of action and of the um, the whole kind of morality of say um, uh, war, which is which 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 is a theme in this, but you see it in so many kind of like animated movies where there is the kingdom that um, that that um, it's sort of on the edge of war. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the characters that want to that that want to prevent it, and then you you see kind of only. You see, you see it much. Uh, you see it done much uh, more uh, poorly in in live action movies. Like like every Godzilla movie, is 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 on some level saying like this is not the fault of this noble majestic beast, but it's mostly saying kill it, kill it now. Yeah. Um, and 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 especially the Aaron Taylor Johnson version of of Did Godzilla. They, they, they're going after the Mutos. But my, my, my point is that these movies, because they're live action, become these sort of um, posters for the um, military industrial complex. <laughs> and in general are just much less sophisticated movies. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm careful of making too strong a point, but I think animation can um, actually... Um, uh, can be more interesting in 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 its in its in its treatment of themes and go less kind of. Well, I mean, it's telling that our point of reference for this was not like a live action film, but Fern Gully. Yeah, like sure. In- I think it's like interesting because isn't it fascinating that we're kind of like we must teach the children that violence is wrong. <laughs> And conflict is not the solution to things. Mm. And once they're adults, they shall consume the blowing up of many items because they know now, and yeah. they are no longer like going to be influenced by these images. Which exactly. is, of course, very silly that that's the 
It's okay to convince them that violence is wrong up until they're the age where they can join the army. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which point they must learn that violence is correct if yeah. they're told it's correct. It, it's funny, there's another... It's, it's funny that we talk about that and I hope that I've read the situation right into saying this. We were talking about on the bus to Darren's Avatar and how oh, that sure. deals with war and the... the and the, the consequences of war. And that is a show that you can show, I want to say... Avatar The anyone, Last Airbender, Avatar, not yes, Avatar Ava- the James Cameron. No. Yes, yes. Avatar The Last Airbender from Nickelodeon ran for three seasons and then a sequel season of uh, Korra. I recommend both of them. Um, it's it's just interesting how it, it teaches that same thing. Um, how, you know, you, you don't have to deal everything with, with, uh, with violence, even on violence. If you don't need to, you know, it's never not an eye for an eye. Right, and it's a it's a very smart, very well put together show, and it's just funny that we talk about war and how trying to teach children and that, and how animation is a way of doing that, and just it's just you know we were talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I believe is one of the best modern ways to talk about, and it's Western, like it's made by a Western team, um, and it's 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 just it's a show that you could watch from I'm going to say ten onwards. Oh, I'd say like any age. And yeah. I think like, yeah, very nuanced treatment of mm. like conflict. Like def- it's because it's definitely not kind of explicitly like violence is never the answer. It's, you know, it's got it, some great action in it's it. It's got some great action in it. Uh, but it definitely kind of deals with the real cost mm. of war in an interesting way. Yeah, no. I mean, and most I obviously there's a lot of blood. You get to see actual bloodshed and consequences to a certain extent. Like, I mean, yeah. even, the, even the giant warrior sequence is horrifying. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, are we talking about Nausicaa? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to the massive tangent. We next week. Apologies. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this... Like, I mean, there's a scene in this where Nausicaa's going, you know, to town on like ten... Oh, sorry, six guys. Although I won't exaggerate for six is enough. Uh, or six guys. And she is about to go after these like really armor-clad men. Like, they look like they could, they could actually do damage to her. And then just like... Uh, Patrick Stewart just falls, just like appears from the, from the ceiling and like takes her sword into his arm and then puts a dagger up to the guy's arm and goes, I could kill you right now. And it's just like, and then but, he gives this really but even eloquent then, speech. Well, there's blood. Even then you get to the arm dripping down off her dagger, off her yeah. sword as well, yeah. which is quite nice. And again, there's a lot of that in there in terms of like actually looking at the yeah. consequences of violence. I mean, yeah. there, you know, we were joking earlier about how this is maybe like the most, one of the most kid-friendly movies in like the yeah. Studio Ghibli canon if only because it's accessible and its narrative flow is very but there's a lot of violence but there is a lot of violence and there's a lot of consequences yeah. of violence. And so like can I can ask as well can I ask for Darren kind of disaster when you saw the soldiers show up in that room with the king and Baba did you think they'd actually kill him yes oh you did yeah okay no I'm just because you're the only one who hasn't seen it so I just no, wondered it's, it's did not, you think they'd follow through yeah they would I mean even even in a Disney movie they would kill that character off screen um, you wouldn't get to see the bullet go through his head, which is a good thing, probably. Uh, but they would kill him off screen. The mm-hmm. same thing that happens here. By the way, I love that there's a line earlier in the film where Nausicaa is like in the toxic jungle. And she's like, a gunshot. Someone's in trouble. In case the audience doesn't get that that sound was a gunshot. And it might mean that somebody's in trouble. I guarantee you that is in the sub, that is not spoken. Um, just actually to, to bring it back to... Not everyone's as close to the streets as you are. <laughs> and with it. Um, you know what a gunshot sounds like. <laughs> and that it might mean trouble. Um, <laughs> but it is worth noting, actually, just to bring it back to, to Maizaki's women. Um, the interesting thing about this is that the characters, um, number of inspirations, we talked already about the, the incident, the, the pollution incident with the mercury. 
right. but there was also the character Nausicaa herself is lifted from the Odyssey. Um, the character she appears in the framing Homer's story Odyssey? of Homer's Odyssey. Yes, no. she's the one who finds. Oh, She's the, she's the one who finds Odysseus on the beach. And in fact, she's actually cut from certain translations. Circe? Calypso? Which no, one? No, no, it, it's Nausicaa. Her name is actually Nausicaa. What? Um, oh. Yeah. What? The Odyssey starts so with the young princess Nausicaa finding this guy near the beach. He looks like hell. He's naked. And for some reason, she doesn't run away screaming. But gets him clothes and dinner. Oh, and, and then she tells her, her the, the entire story. story. It's a framing and, device. And it's she's awesome. a daughter of Triton? Yes. And yeah. Triton's like, I want to kill this dude. And she's like, no, 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 not um, happening. Well, By the way, she, thematic like, counterpoint. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Greek mythology. Greek mythology, yeah. we're all the boys. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not thematically relevant in that context, but I mean, you can see the parallels By there way. immediately. Where you have, again, you have the baby Ohm, and you have Nausicaa putting herself like almost between the yeah. armies in order to stop it and like having this compassion for somebody who is other and alien and mm, vulnerable really and like, and like really and, hot and, and <laughs> even like how her in that sequence how her parent how her father and how you know her, her caretaker is drawn their hands are, are are huge and quite far more detailed than they normally are you can tell they're they're worn from work and they're and it's just like she she understood how powerful these men were when she was a child and to to go against something like this when she's just trying to protect something that clearly means no harm to anyone. It's just like, it, it was clearly from that stage of her life, she knew that there was something not but, right about the world. But just just on this, by the way, just to get back to Maizaki and the influence of the Odyssey, what's interesting is that Maizaki first encountered the character of Nausicaa while reading uh, Evelyn's book, which was translated into Japanese, talking about the Odyssey. He didn't actually read the Odyssey itself. And in fact, he recalls um, his biographer, Danny... Cavallero recalls that when Maizaki actually read the Odyssey and discovered that Nausicaa, despite having this hugely important role, was actually just kind of there, really. Uh, he, he apparently was so distraught that he almost broke down crying. Um, and he was like, I'm going to fix that. Should also be noted that there are other inspirations as well in terms of Japanese culture. And uh, Marianne may appreciate this, given the sort of springboard that we had into this section of the podcast. Um, allegedly, this was also inspired by the ancient Japanese fable, The Lady Who Preferred Insects, which is the story of a princess at court who decides that she is much, 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 much more interested in the lives of insects and bugs and wild creatures than in A, palace intrigue, mm. or B, finding a husband. Now, there's nice. a bit of discussion, I believe, among Japanese archaeological circles about the story. Some people believe that the version of the story that it, as it exists today was incomplete and that the moral fable was supposed to end with her ending up alone and dying alone. But the version as it exists today, and we'll include it in the show notes, basically consists of, well, this woman who's decided that insects are much more interesting than men, what a life she has had <laughs> and how wonderful it is. And apparently Maizaki was like, yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Is she just building up a shell to protect herself from the world, just much like the arthropods? <laughs> He's making a new film, and it's all about a caterpillar. And like, there's been rumor, and there's no chance that he's now on his last film. He'd do that story. Do you is think? there a chance he's doing the last film? Like, is this? Is this like, they say this is definitely his last film. It went from he's being a short to an actual film. He's now. retired about seven times. But not even so like Cher. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny when people just go like, "He's he's retired." Okay, well, we'll wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always a farewell to her. Sure. <laughs> hey, at least he doesn't charge us. It's a perpetual farewell. <laughs> Maybe you don't pay for tickets. Excuse me. It's at excuse me. At most, we pay twenty euro, okay. and that's 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 far better than. And he share tour. All right. 
I'm glad well, you sh- I'll put that out there. I'm glad you shared that with us, Graham. I, I was really waiting for that. Thank, yeah. you, yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just in terms of, of Nostalgia and other stuff, the animation is actually... Um, it's very primitive. It, like, it doesn't look as sophisticated as some of the later stuff. Um, and in particular, like, we're going to be talking about something next week, which represents sort of a usually poor in terms of animation in Japan and otherwise. But, like, it looks great. In particular, there's some wonderful shots like the dream sequences, mm. where she's bonded with the, uh, with the sort of Orm's tentacles, uh, because, of course, there are tentacles. Um, but, like, those sequences look almost like etchings. And it's, it's right. kind of beautiful. It's mm. absolutely wonderful. Mm. But even the, the design of the world and its characters the arms are gorgeous looking yeah. I actually think they look really great the the, the, the slats that they mm. seem to move oh, around yeah. yeah I love the way they kind of yeah. into, 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 the, into the slats like, you, at the you know, front every time they move they're and like, then the ones oh, at the back go. just kind of but you can really tell that they were done with some sort of like layers or yeah. overlays yeah. it's really like but like it's a little bit janky but like in a nice way yeah. no, is, look at you bringing some modern words no, into this you know what I, I mean it's like you can kind of you're like mm, I see the animation technique they're using but like in a fun way <laughs> yeah. you know? sometimes yeah. janky things are the best yeah, yeah. there's some yeah. suggestion that that may have been inspired by the sandworms from Dune actually I was gonna uh, say I, did anyone like because I'm the least David Lynch uh, um, under, like uh, appropriate for this it felt kind of Dune-esque? Well, keep in mind that Lynch's adaptation of Dune would have been around the same time, and so wouldn't have been an influence. But the book might. No, have been. yeah, but that's what I mean. I felt like because I've seen the I've seen David Lynch's Dune, of what I can remember, and I just watching Nazca this time. I felt the kind of a Dune esque feel to it. This ancient warrior prophesized to come, and it and like by the end of it, she's basically writing them, just kind of like how uh, what's his name? Paul. Oh. Yeah, Paul Treyu. Yeah, Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul Treyu's. Paul Treyu's. Excuse me. How he's Kyle writing the set. <laughs> our friend. Yeah. Our friend Kyle. Our friend Kyle. We just call him Kyle. You just call him Kyle? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, how he's writing the, the worms. We still call Christabel Christabel, though. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I believe that. Okay. But yeah, how he's writing the worms, like when he is triumphant, she she's on the ohm, like walking okay. on them as if they're like... Yeah, it- it feels like, again, and again, it can't have been a rip-off of the shot because they emerge simultaneously. Yeah. And it's obviously, you can't animate that quickly. But it does look like... It's a massive strain on the animator's hands. Standing on the back of the sandworm with the kind of... With the, the sort of... Yeah, I watched that recently. It's just like, how does he do that? Um, I love the way that they obviously hit a bit of an animation wall, though, where it was like, oh, we're seeing it as she sees it, but they can't actually show us... What like she's this, doing. this like wall of tentacles carrying her to the ground so it's just Obaba being like children tell me what you see <laughs> <laughs> well if I'm being honest Obaba she's tripping a lot yeah. and it's not and it's then not, we just it's see her crazy. like on the ground it's like beautiful <laughs> I think of them as tendrils they're not nearly <laughs> yeah, they're enough not te- they're, they're not, not tentacles. tentacles they're tendrils yeah. okay okay that's a separate other sort of oh separate. it is trust me it's a whole other hour <laughs> but, I, but I, I did like the, even the animation though although again it's not as sophisticated as some of the later Ghibli stuff mm. and later Japanese stuff and even like I'm sorry Western 30 stuff. years ago uh, animation doesn't live up to your standards I was saying that I loved it Graham sorry before you interrupted yeah, me yeah it's like the same way I oh no we've already referenced Robocop it's fine <laughs> <laughs> by the way I did like Andrew in terms of like 250 tropes food waste yes you have to throw the supplies overboard oh dad. yeah you were not happy yeah. with that that's why the bugs got so angry oh, oh the like... bugs ate it though they, they, they eat everything I hope they did they eat everything Andrew Bug. Um, and though we didn't get inappropriate smoking, we 
did get some nice father-son flamethrower time. Yeah. In, inappropriate <laughs> child, like, it's like, I'm going to destroy all of these spores. Um, poisonous spore creating. And it's like, you do that and don't rest until you have <laughs> kills these poisonous animals that could kill you. Nice and spore. <laughs> Good work, son. I will stop until I find every last one. Did only get Starship Troopers vibe from that moment? Yeah, yeah, was I the only one? No, but they're even yeah, like, a little bit. They're a little bit. I, I didn't think of it at the time, but now that you say it. No. What I remember is the bit where Shia LaBeouf's character is in, and again, we all laughed out loud at this, the bit where he's in the in the toxic forest, firing like randomly oh, at the heated <laughs> bugs. That sort of reminded me a bit of like Starship yeah. Troopers. And how yes. they jumped at him, and they're just like, they didn't care how they jumped at him, they just jumped they at him. Bounced. That was that terrifying. Some of them were upside down. Yeah. They and bounced, it was great. One of the parts of, this film that definitely like belies like the lack of sophistication that will come later in Miyazaki's <laughs> uh, offerings is like the jaunty disco theme that the bugs have. Oh, yes. oh I love those it's themes. It's so good, but it's like such a bop. It feels like a Scooby Doo like <laughs> bit or something. There's like every time. How did it go? It was like a really <laughs> sin- <laughs> it's just it's so oh, disco heavy. It was like disco heavy. It's like there's and then there was a bit where like there's a synth saxophone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this is the first collaboration with Joe Asachi, who, by the way, I discovered is actually named in honor of his stage names. In honor of Quincy Jones because the way that you say the the names in Japanese oh my god and Hisachi uses the same sort of ideogram as uh, not Quincy but like quirky which is close enough in terms of phonetics I am Anduro Ken which, oh, which, cool. which, which at, the t- I, at the time I think uh, I was told meant uh, handsome man, but I've tried to Aww. prove Aww. that. And, uh, with no luck. <laughs> with no luck. Yeah, so um, yeah, at a stretch maybe. Andrew, you're <laughs> a very handsome man. By, you are Andorkin. Did you try to prove it by just like standing in the street demanding that people tell you you're handsome? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it works. Um, but in terms of soundtrack, listeners like, don't know, but I'm a very handsome. <laughs> I, I know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, listeners, uh, sorry, wait, they would to... know you're the picture. <laughs> oh yeah, but that doesn't really <laughs> capture it. It doesn't, doesn't really capture, doesn't really it, capture no. the essence yeah. of it, really. Yeah. Um, like, listeners, I have to tell you, it's Can we hard talk for me... about this for another ten minutes. It's hard sure. for me to concentrate every week on the yeah. podcast just sitting next. I'm always, I'm always I'm a little sorry. excited every time I come to the podcast just to see what kind of facial hair hairstyle Andrew's going to go with. Because one time he was rocking it. When you say I mean... excited, <laughs> yeah, excited, yeah. <laughs> I mean, genuinely excited. I'm just like, what's he going to go this time? Am I going to see another Daniel Day Lewis from uh, There Will Be Blood? You know. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. But anyway, oh, back to talking about the No, I didn't hear that. No, <laughs> good, good. Oh, good, <laughs> good. Don't worry. Listen back. Talking of, you're assuming that's going to make the edit. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but, Andrew's current facial hair state means that he wouldn't be allowed to be a man in Nausicaa. No, no, no. Yeah. it would no. be very hard to animate. Very his hard lip to dub. Yeah. 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 But can we, uh, talk, can we talk about the mustache? The sound, oh, well, we'll talk about the mustache. <laughs> I was going to talk about the soundtrack actually, because there's. I think Andrew noticed this as well. Like again, it's it's a actually a really good soundtrack. Uh, it's interesting. Like it's telling that Josachi became like Miyazaki's go-to composer. You want to talk about this as proto Ghibli? That's an example there that's not often discussed enough. The influence of Asachi upon the work of Ghibli as a mm. studio. But like the idea that like 
you have that wonderful jaunty synth heavy the bugs are coming and it's great fun but also terrifying but also great fun Um, and you have that contrasted with like the moment where she's atop the golden tendrils which is very much Handel-esque sort of like Barry Lyndon yes I looked at Darren as and and it was yeah it was that Handel piece from Barry Lyndon yeah it starts off and it's just like you just like were predicting where it was going yes because I had heard the music before but it's very much and again like it's kind of interesting that the movie sort of does those two extremes but yeah sorry you want to talk about the mustaches it's just there's so many is it like is it a societal thing like because because the valley of the wind people most of the men have mustaches and you know the older they get the bigger they got and then do you when you look at the other two societies they don't like they either have small smaller mustaches or they are clean shaven but it should be noted by the way that this was animated on a budget that now is now equivalent to about one million dollars oh, wow. which is very little so I imagine that may have contributed to the design. Uh, yeah, Mary. crucially, the other two civilizations, well, one of them has helmets, most of the characters. <laughs> yes. So you don't see their mouths. And then the final civilization only really appears very briefly. Very briefly at the end. In the last kind of 15 minutes of the movie. And they have tiny mustaches. And, and <laughs> is it the Peg-Eyed Prince that doesn't have, like, anything? Yeah, yeah. it's mouth Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Mark Hamill. Oh, he's the mayor, apparently. I looked yeah, it up. He's the mayor. Yeah. peg Pegite. I really thought you said the peg-eyed. Prince. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting description. It was. It was. Yeah, nice it's like it's, it's like not, he's it's a pirate. It's and <laughs> it's like, that's not where you put your peg. Uh, that's where you put your eye patch. Your why is your eye patch <laughs> on, on your leg? I, I, leg. I just like how all of the all of the like for the time it was. Um, I can't remember how long is the film actually. It's a what do you mean in terms of length? It's yeah. about an, it's an about hour and fifty-five minutes. Yeah, it's an hour and fifty-five. Hour and fifty-five minutes. We get a lot of understanding of each of these civilizations. I think I understood right. all three kingdoms. I mean, do you count the Valley of the Wind as a kingdom? I yes, mean, they have yeah, a princess. The yeah, Tolmachians. The Tolmachians and the Hedgehogs. Yeah. And but I mean, you, you understood all three of those kingdoms perfectly. They're, they're like they're not their structure, but you, but you understood also, who was in charge. You also get an entire history with the giant warriors and this idea yeah. of like an Armageddon that tore through civilization a thousand years ago. It was ours. Seven year, is a yeah. seven year war, stuff like that. Seven day, seven day war. Apologies. That's what I loved. It's just like it's a seven day war. What does that mean? It means that one side was very much in favor of winning. <laughs> oh yeah, like but you have like, and you have even like the idea of the ship in which they're cowering at the end. You get the detail that like maybe that was a spaceship. Like, and, and there's all this like again. This is something that Marianne was talking about earlier, where there's this level of detail in the world that like Mizaki doesn't. And the ones that I've seen, I'm not going to pretend I've seen all of them, but he doesn't really do again. He generally trusts the audience to like focus on the characters and the environment to provide detail as necessary. This is just like, well, there's an entire other world in which this is taking mm. place. This is almost like Star Wars level, where it's like, uh, you know, Wait, I did the, but I did the Kessel Run. It's like, you don't need to know what the Kessel Run but is. But we do, and we there. found out three decades later. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, um, obviously, the Ghibli movie that is, um, uh, we don't speak of, uh, Earthsea, is... What's wrong with Tales of Earthsea? I it like is that. a mess. And but it's got Willem Dafoe in it. It, it doesn't care who it has in it, Craig. Liam Neeson. Make it a good movie. Realize and it's got dragons. It's the only Lord, one with dragons. Lord knows Liam Neeson has never made a bad got, movie. It, it, we accept it as a lot of people you can fanboy over. Um, but it is based on Ursula Le Guin's Tales from Earthsea. Yes. So you've got a world there. A mm. beautifully realized, mm. like well-developed world. And for some reason, like Miyazaki's like, that does, like, who needs any of that? And it is just strange that, like, 
that flumped so badly flumped. when they already had like the source material to make it work and it's yeah. just like what happened you were good at this maybe he clashes yeah. with source material oh i don't know yeah i like i, I mean suspect, like i suspect I don't maybe know if that's even true because hell's moving castle is source material so does that count? and it does like there's so much left out of hell's moving castle like turniped is he actually a character in the in which one turniped no, Hell's Moving Castle. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yes. Um, no, yeah, he is. But, like, there's oh, a whole, like, bit where, like, Howl is connected to our world. Oh, that's cool. In the book that is never... I'm... Sorry, go on. Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. No, but, no, yeah, no. it's like... Also, but... you guys haven't seen it, so maybe we should... Yeah, I mean, no, basically... Not too much time, but, yeah, okay. basically, he does disregard a lot of the source material, but it does work, except, again, I do think Howl is one of the weaker ones plot-wise. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, there's some time travel happening, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, and then it's just... It's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... I have to admit, even as a fan, yeah. I've never been that sympathetic to those kind of uh, fan base criticisms where this um where they they the where it hasn't kind of used the source material in the right way i think of things that i like and adaptations of it that i also like that were different like i think of remains of the day which is like one of my favorite books i think of the movie and i really like the movie now um and I, Do people and, hate and, Remains and, of the Day, the film? And I think no, about no, but it makes it, 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 but, it, but it, and, and that was a, a Merchant Ivory production, and it's very Merchant Ivory. But there was also a, um, not, um, there was a Howard Pinter script for it as well, which was, which was kind of described as kind of very, um, very uh, masculine and very kind of Pinteresque. And I want, <laughs> I want, I want, I, I want to see that movie as well. Yeah. Like, and, and well, the, 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 yeah, but the, this is the discussion about like adaptation where like Pet Cemetery was out the weekend that we're recording this. So the right. Stevie Anderson was when you're listening to this. But like there was some discussion online about your favorite Stephen King adaptations. And I remember saying The Shining and getting a whole bunch of Stephen King fans being like, that's not even really an adaptation. And I'm like, I don't really care. It's got <laughs> Stephen King's name on it. I'm counting it. And it's brilliant. But this is the thing is like, um, I'm just. Good job shouting out Pet Cemetery, Darren, just in case the marketing campaign hadn't reached some of your listeners. <laughs> um, I hey, don't what, blow up our spot just because we... It's just really funny that you said you're not the getting weekend, paid the, 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 to mention Pet um, My point is that it's not that I don't like adaptations that change the no, source material. No, you're saying material. it's a bad film. Yeah, yeah Earthsea okay. is a terrible <laughs> yeah. film like taken from, taken from... Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. You're like, what's happening? And... Yeah, taken from very good source material. So mm. it's like, well, don't change it to make it worse. Or, like, right. nigh incomprehensible. Like, absolutely, because there's no way you could, like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's no way you could make it, like, a coherent animated film. Look, I really, like, I'm a huge fan of both Lord of the Rings, the books and the movies. Mm. So don't, don't come what at me with Hobbit? your, like, terrible, because bad movie. Not because not because it, it, it wrecks the source material. material. Yeah, like, Marianne doesn't yeah. like it because it's a bad film. Not bad movie, but bad movies. Bad. They decided uh, that it was like necessary to stretch it over. No, I don't so, know no, no Marianne's talking about Lord of the Rings. No, also no, the, the, Hobbit, the Hobbit is. Oh, bad. you like the Hobbit? Is, oh, you oh, don't like the Hobbit? Yeah, the, yeah, Hobbit, sorry. the films. I was referring are, to the Hobbit. I like yeah, now, smoke. now I do yeah, also I like, not like, I like the Lord of the Rings movies. But very easy stuff. But that's okay. I Did was, you I not was... see them when you were a 13-year-old girl just hitting puberty? Being guys, like, what? Guys, I feel like there may be a podcast happening like 
three Christmases from now on which we can hash this stuff out. Oh, I might have like forgotten by then. No. Yeah. I'll never know. I, I will excuse myself for falling asleep during the two towers. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, no, d- d- during the two towers, they decided for some reason to show, show the Lord of the Rings two towers on the way to a rugby game. And I and I was kind of half watching it and I was like, you know what I probably would do, could do it before a rugby game is a little bit of sleep. So I'm just going to do it. What do you mean on the way to a rugby yeah, game? Yeah, why? On the way to a rugby game. How bus. far away was the rugby yeah. game? Yeah, how far away is the rugby game? I'm, Three hours? I'm guessing oh, actually, quite, Sligo, quite a long so we're going to Sligo, uh, Dublin, it's probably oh, uh, uh, Just to bring it back to the film. No. No. Uh, if I can. Um, <laughs> and who are you playing against? <laughs> Orcs. <laughs> who does boys? Um, <laughs> Sorry, gonna, okay. Before okay. Graham boys. gets back to the movie, I just need to point out <laughs> that Andrew has written who that boy in his notes. Have you? Oh my god, though, let's see. Let's see. As though there was a chance that he might forget the joke he's been making no, since it eight o'clock in the morning. It was, at the, it was at the moment where Did he just they, wake up and start <laughs> the Peugeot uh, prince appears and I was like shut up off. boy <laughs> his name is Ashballs guys come Ash- on no 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 it's Asbel Ashballs Asbel Ashballs Ashballs A-S-B-E-L right we're Asbel. having fun <laughs> we're, making oh, jo- sorry. we're making jokes oh. about genitalia <laughs> I'm so and sorry. somehow Pompoko is not on the 250 <laughs> and, oh it should um, be also the ash is like a reference to the po- nuclear apocalypse so it's actually a really involved joke about genitalia oh, you know yeah. Yeah. intelligent yeah. and crude you know you never got to ask Graham what he thought the movie was about Oh, don't worry. We're going to ask Graham what he thinks the oh, next movie is about. Oh, we're going to get to that part now? Okay, so... Uh, no, uh, no, no, do, do, do we ask? No, God, no. Go for it, come on. No, because honestly, honestly my, my thing I took away from... Um, my, my genuine thing of what to take away from Nosco was the fact that Western animation did not do princesses well. Because <laughs> I, I honestly didn't think so when I came out of it this time. Because um, obviously when I saw it the first time, I was 15. I had no idea what I was thinking. Um... When I watched it this time, I was just like, she is a brilliant character. She is perfectly realized from the, from the get-go. And it just like puts all Western animation... Because I remember all the Western animation I was watching when I was a kid in the 90s. And none of them, none of them size up to her. And it's really a shame that it took us this long to get to, to what Miyazaki had in the 80s. I think that's sometimes the mark of a great artist, though, that they have mm. these kind of um, ahead of their times, kind of transgressive yeah. or uh, pro- pro- progressive ideas that they're able to articulate in a way that people it's can, just like it was his first can, film. can consume. Kind second, of, second, at the me. time that they're they uh, that they're making, mm. but can appreciate even more kind mm. of when 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 they kind of. Um, when more of the historical point that's just kind of nascent yeah. Yeah. as time has passed it's aged made. technically quite yeah, well then exactly yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, like, some look, of the best old movies we've uh, done yeah. Yeah. I feel fresh and there's just one thing um, I love the animation of the ship, of the airships oh my yeah. god love I love it, the animation yeah. of the airships I mean that's they, the Maizaki theme did, again they did scope so well on those ships but again Maizaki's fascination with flight and flying like I mean mm. you've told, we joked about the Maizaki like retirement tour the first one the first film on there I think was The Wind Rises which is very much a film about flying yes, about the design and again it's like Maizaki who's like hey World War 2 what was the best thing about that let's talk about the dude who designed fighter jets and how sad he was that his fighter jets were used for fighting yeah um, but it, it's got that sort of love of like flight and flying 
And again, that sort of idea of the freedom that comes with it. And you mm. have that with the glider, which, by the way, is... It's indestructible. Uh, but it's it's derived, and again, it's telling that, like, the union between man and nature is sort of symbolized through the glider coming back, it being brought back <laughs> by the wind. But, like, it's it's the, the glider's name for the German word for gull, actually, which is fascinating. Oh. And they've, they've actually designed gliders in, in the real world that you can use that are modeled on it as well. Um, so ones that you fly on, like, harness to it with your legs out, you on top of it, holding on to the bar. Just like she does. Yeah, which is, is kind of cool as well. I mean, that girl's arm strength. Whoa. And core strength. But yes. like, you know, she's just holding on to that. She's got no harness. <laughs> I mean, she, like, she, she flips herself up onto yeah. it. Well, she, she does have a belt it. at one point, doesn't she? It's, it's an interesting... Does she? Does she what? I think she has a belt at one point. It's, mm. a, it's, a, it's an interesting... I think one of the lads that she has attached oh. to it has a belt on it. I it's... love the bit at the end where they're teaching like the four-year-olds to fly it. Oh, and it's just like, let's throw you off a cliff and hope... It's like swimming. He'll either figure it out or drown. Um, or fall to your death. I... I, I um, it's fine... It's right before that sequence of the old men laughing for five seconds. <laughs> oh, we lost another one. I, um, I think that was before. <laughs> I, um, the, 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 um, I think it's interesting as well... Um, uh, Miyazaki, and we see it a bit as well with Werner Herzog, but kind of uh, filmmakers of a certain generation having this um, fascination with uh, with aviation. And I wonder kind of like if that's something that's going to be carried into new generations at all. Because yeah. mm. uh, like the idea of us being kind of like, <laughs> we, we, we still retain some of it. But it's almost like the idea Taking of being fascinated by a plane would be being fascinated by a bus. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, but like, it's, it's telling that like the big Western film that's romantic about aviation, The Aviator, is very right. much about nostalgia for like that romance about aviation. It's a film about Howard Hughes and how great it was that he was fascinated with planes. Yeah, he it's loved like, him. But it's like, remember when we were excited by planes, you know, which is very strange. Because again, this is the thing where we talk about flying, where like people used to get dressed up for flying. Right. People used to wear suits for flying. People I remember, used to be like, my, <laughs> yeah. remember my uncle saying, um, it's only, it's only good looking people uh, go on <laughs> planes anyway. He was saying kind of like uh, ever like kind of like picking up people from the airport and at the arrival section and sure it's, it's only it's only it's only good looking people um, fly on planes. But I mean, like, it's probably going to the airport to pick up people. Maybe they do get so kind of dressed well, up. That, that's it exactly because I've talked to people of a certain generation, like my managers in work, for example, who would have been like, you know, they'd be of an older generation than I am, without getting too specific. But they talk about how now when they get on planes, and <laughs> what? Pe- and people are like, uh, people are like traveling in sweatpants and like comfy clothes and track suits, and it's like. I remember, you know, back he used to get suited up. He used to wear this proper, the shirt jacket, the tie, the, you know, proper shoes you just cleaned last night. Yeah. Like, I just can't get away from the fact that you won't say their age on there. It used to be. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure they're listening. Well, you uh, sort of implied that there's like potentially a generation that's shameful to be part of. So you're like, without getting too specific, they're not in the shameful generation or anything. Um it, maybe though that's because like planes used to have like legroom and stuff. That's fair. I mean, I can't uh, imagine like you know being packed into Ryanair to breathe in <laughs> other people's skin for two hours. Um, you know, being like, yeah, I'm gonna wear like yeah. Needles. Can you imagine that kind of level? But the people from the Valley of the Wind are on it, and you've got mustaches that are hitting hitting you from both sides. Um, Ugh. they're 
is this is a completely um, irrelevant story. <laughs> yeah, but no, we used to... Oh no, we can't discuss. <laughs> oh, we can't discuss age. Um, <laughs> when uh, we were younger, we my family used to always go on holidays to Crete, and we used to have to get this like tiny little plane from Athens to Hania because there was no like commercial flights back then, and it was always like loads of like local people. And I remember, uh, which was like really cool for me as a child, just being like, oh, look at all these people. But I remember my dad had like at one point on this tiny plane that maybe took about 30 people. He had a middle seat in between two of the fattest monks you have ever seen. (laughs) Like two Orthodox Greek monks. Both had to get like, I think one of them had to get two belt extenders. And like my father was like not a... Not a man to sort of like, you know, be like sort of perturbed by his environment. <laughs> but I just remember him like when we were sort of disembarking and this would have been after like a di- full day of traveling. He was just like, I did not have a comfortable flight. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting though in Nausicaa how the airships kind of a hi- have a hierarchy in which like Nausicaa's glider is like the most kind of in tune with nature and then the mm. evil ships are these really huge ones where people are insulated yeah. from the environment they're like like you know um you know art like metal artificial environments yeah. uh, corridors inside yeah. rooms they're inside. also not that sturdy it's interesting when the pe- when uh, your <laughs> man when shannon boss character shows up in a, in a, in a <laughs> you got so excited there he shows up he's just like yeah, oh my god he's taking he's taking down <laughs> was all that of our ships i wonder if that's in the sub because you, you think in the job they were like we have to explain how he just took out like this entire fleet well, I, I feel like the it feels like what i got from it was they have a better f- uh, airship division or something like that because yeah. like you see there you see when the mayor shows up later in the film his airship is actually they fl- they, and, they land the best. Their design is the best, and they have a Bowser floating cup as yeah. well. Yeah. Like the thing that they're dangling the little yeah. baby home out of is is basically like Bowser <laughs> from Mario. I feel yeah. like Laura Duba is like cheap, tall, American and crap. Yes, <laughs> he's dated. Like, it's, like, it's, like, they just it's, don't like, make things. Val- value the wind. They, 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 like they, they, they the perfect. Do you, you say that as if like when he wasn't there, be like great airship, <laughs> really <laughs> wonderful, um, very room. Like the value of the wind people have this perfect fusion between man and nature. Like Nausicaa's glider, like it has an engine that clearly has energy in it of some sort, but also she doesn't need it on all the time. Then the pa- and the, the wind returns it to her yeah, at the end, which yeah. is that symbolism of yeah. sort of like and the connection like, between man when, and nature. When we see the Temekians for the first time, they're crashing. Yeah, yeah. like they're destroying, they're killing. Um, and I do love the sequence where the villagers are like, "It crashed over there into the cliff." By the sea, in case you watching it the film that hadn't realized that the film, that the giant plane had crashed into a cliff by the sea over there. Also, uh, Nausicaa's glider glows blue, mm. yes. which is the good color, yes. as we learned. Well, <laughs> but the Pangeans have a red glider, have a red thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. Well, he he he's, he's, he has to mellow out. He oh, learns okay. to mellow out yeah. later on. Astral, oh, he's but, angry at the well, time. Well, no, because yes. he is. He, and again, he shoots because it's his sister's dead, but he's shooting at the bugs as well. So he learns. He needs to learn to mellow out and get. Yeah, sort of he blue. triggers a very good synthy jazz <laughs> sequence. <laughs> It's interesting because then when they go when they go under, when they go underneath the <laughs> which is also all it's red and angry when they go underneath the forest that's also all blue yeah yeah mm. guys I'm seeing wanna, a thing here I want to say though I feel like there's a kind of like an inside outy kind of um, a subtle message at the end um, is it be, because we see that the humans and the bugs are living together. 
and there is there you see like blue bugs, but you also see red bugs. Oh, and oh, so uh, anger is okay. Is yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're like just because this bug is angry doesn't mean it's going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just, just cut him off in traffic. It's, it's okay. Yeah, it's just <laughs> having a bad day. Like. Just in the ohm stampede, he's like, Jesus, this is taking ages. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why they're eventually going to reach orange. Um, <laughs> just yeah, purple. So it's like, yeah. The, just like the like you know. Calm down. Um, Like a whole range. They go green occasionally. It's like... That's wonderful. But actually just... um, Is there anything else anybody wants to talk about? There are so many things. How, how, how are we doing on time? Why don't you just read out let's your notes? It. Yeah, word is it just word. who's that boy repeated over and over again? <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time. I think you might need to link that song in the show notes. I will. I will. Uh, thank you, Brian. Context I'm just, I'm just is always provided in our show notes. I'm just thinking of that song now. But just before we... before While Andrew's perusing his notes there, quick question I want to throw out to the group, uh, right? Because uh, Marianne mentioned that uh, Princess Mononoke... Yeah. yeah, is the spiritual successor to this film mm-hmm. it feels in it. many ways, shapes, and forms. And I've, I've seen it. It's been ages since I've seen it. But what I remember about Mononoke is I remember it being rather um, cynical, rather a bit sort of more downbeat about the idea yeah. of man coexisting with nature. And the thing is that, like, while this film, while sort of Nausicaa has a certain amount of cynicism, and again, I love Obabu, is like, come children, the orm are coming, and there's nothing we can do to stop them. The earth has decided that mankind does not deserve to live. The, Enjoy the your earth sleep. The knows it's wrong for us yeah. to survive. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a thousand years, we had a good run, time yeah. to go. But I mean, despite... I like that kind of idea, yeah. though. It's, it's, it's like, you know what? We did. <laughs> oh my and god, you too! Anthropocene, baby. The audience could see Marianne's face right no, now. No, no, I'm a, that's a, my like thoughtful agreement for face. I yes, think, because I think it's like, yeah, how entitled are we that we're like we know we messed it up, but like we still should be allowed to be here. Actually, another two thousand years, and it'd be like all about us. Actually, like. Because the human species is probably one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like a liger. I'm not but, lying. But also, like, there, there, there is... There, like, Some of my best friends are humans. Yes. Yeah, and we've now created machines that can replace and kill us. <laughs> so, Skynet. And, and some, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Like, you can't judge... I mean, uh, you go to Japan but, right now, and there is a statue of an actual Gundam. I mean, like, guys, we are tempting fate. But I, But I mean, like, is it... Is there something more optimistic in Nosca's conclusion than in, say, uh, Maizaki's later work, like, say, uh, Minoke, where it's this idea that maybe mankind can? And does that reflect this? Because it, it feels increasingly in pop culture that, like, during the 70s and that sort of wave of, like, Gaia sort of awareness, environmentalism, this sort of founding the EPA, Earth Day, the Earth from, from space, space, the Earth, yeah. wide, the Earth, Earth wide Aside rise from shot. that, the whole experience was a load of crap, right? <laughs> and everyone was, like, so disillusioned Snooze. with the moon, like, Oh, here we go again. <laughs> the moon was rubbish. Yeah. Is this the, same, the, Earth this is the exact space. same grouping yeah. of people for your disillusionment with the moon? <laughs> I bring up Darren's disillusionment with the moon in every podcast okay accepting that the moon might not have been a disappointment in this particular circumstance but yeah the idea that like during the 70s you had this wave of environmental kind of consciousness and you had this idea that maybe we weren't doomed and maybe we could change our ways and maybe we could make peace with the world and maybe 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 we could find a way to survive um is it interesting that like in the years since like Maizaki sort of stuff and you talk about returning to Princess Mononoke the idea that, well, maybe we're all screwed. Um, and well, the idea that the enthusiasm at the end of Nausicaa is 
something that dates it in a sense, something that feels rather old fashioned. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Well, it. I mean, that's maybe that's why it's so charming as it stands now because it does have that optimism but you can really contrast it with like the character roles so Nausicaa is very much like the chosen one the hero who's going to come and save us all yeah like through her inherent goodness Mm. and her like sort of um really just unambiguous like all life is worthwhile in Mononoke you've got um Ashitaka is kind of the doomed hero and then we meet Mononoke and Hiroshi on two different sides, like the industrialist and the environmentalist, who fully believe that they cannot coexist. Mm. And that, like, the ending of Mononoke is really ambiguous in that, like, the forest spirit is restored, but there's no sense of, like, and how does this work going forward? I mean, isn't the ending of Mononoke, they do come together? They're not happy about it? Yeah, but... I mean, it's still up. It's still up, but it's nowhere near as, yeah. as optimistic as the end of Nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, we're not imagining... 2020. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, folks. But I think Hiroshi is like... A no, she's like, no, I still want that iron. You know, like, I'm not, like, going away. Um, yeah, so it is definitely... It's more realistic, I'd say. Yeah, and... But also really uh, highlights the human-to-human conflict, mm, yeah. I guess, of, like, the environmentalist versus mm. the industrialist. And then yeah. Pompoko shows up, and then we all have a lot of fun. We do have a lot of fun. And, <laughs> like, a, a, a lot of, a lot of um, 20th or 21st century environmentalism is seems to be mostly fr- from the point of view of just making people feel better and, like, it being a, a environmentalism brand. Rather than actually well, kind of solving any of the problems. Well, also, like when, also when, you, when that... you buy something and it's like, this comes from recycled materials and um, and then a, a, each, each, each time a tree is felled um, in the Amazon, we plant one <laughs> in, in a, a tundra in Norway, contributing twice to global warming. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's... Um, Are we doing the right thing? Probably not. No, no, no. no. We have studies to prove that, uh, that reforestation in, in tundra, which is what we're doing, is not compensating for the loss of the rainforest, but we're going to do it anyway because it sounds good. Um, but I mean, even beyond that, like there's a sense in which modern environmentalism, when it's not that consumer-friendly, like packaged as a brand... It tends to be quite fatalistic. Like we had that discussion with AOC talking about like how our generation we, is like. We spoke to AOC. We, we yeah. did. It was, it was it was on the, the version of the podcast that hasn't been released. It's yet. the one you have to pay for, yeah. isn't it? It's behind yeah. the paywall. Switch. It's if, behind. Stitcher. If you can find the paywall, um, build that paywall, Andrew. But no, to get back to what I was saying, that like the discussion that's taken place, like the idea that people of our generation are not having kids because they're worried about the state of the environment. Like we reached a point where we're pretty much. Like, there's a certain amount of people who are resigned to the fact that the world is probably going to, like... And we say end. Marianne is correct. It will continue on some form. It will end in the sense that we will no longer be around to observe it continuing. Um, but, like, that sort of sense, there's a sense of almost resignation uh, in some environmental quarters. And it's kind of interesting how yeah. that sort of contrasts with the relative... You know, I mean, we don't want to pretend that Nausicaa's a complete upper, but it, it's much more upbeat compared to a lot of say the environmental stuff that we see today where it's like well the world is dead it's all ruined think of like blade runner for example Mm. where it's like los Las vegas is just a nuclear wasteland um if this feels rather more optimistic where it's like mankind was destroyed there was an environmental catastrophe 
the environment has been ruined. There's a moment where Nosca's like, who polluted the planet? Who? And the camera just stops short of having her look directly at the audience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can kind of feel it. But it's still at the end. It's like, well, I guess, guess we she's got just, over she's that. She's looking at you, Darren. Yeah, I guess polluted we... Polluted the air and they polluted the yeah. water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and our, even our topsoil is poisoned. Yeah. Who could have done this, Andrew? Yeah. Who? But I mean, if, like like people don't realize that like 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 a, a, a lot of the growth in our in our like there, there, people talk about the industrial revolution, but there was there was a um, an agricultural revolution as well. Like the, the, one of one of the reasons why we have the huge kind of growth in 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 population that we have in the last two centuries is the growth in in artificial fertilizers, which which. Which we which have an effect on the soil that uh, natural growth cannot occur for something like seventy years. Like you don't have mushrooms on um, uh, former farmland anymore. That's why people have to go into like the forest or kind of race courses to yeah. find it. So the, 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 the yeah, it just kind of it, it it all of the all of the points really um, spoke to me, I guess, because I'm, I'm the person in, 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 in the forest with my faith, like we discussed in my neighbor Totoro. Totoro. Yeah. Yeah. And you're standing in the forest with his briefcase. Where is Totoro? <laughs> <laughs> Where is magic Where happening? <laughs> Where <laughs> that boy? <laughs> oh, now Darren saying it. Um, I think it is, um, interesting though that in, yeah, in by the time he gets to Mononoke, like Miyazaki is definitely feeling more ambiguous on this point because Hiroshi's kind of position of like industrialism, like I said, is very ambiguous in terms of like it's kind of like it's great for you, Mononoke, to live in the forest with the wolves like running around, but what about these lepers? Mm. Like the fact that we have industry is the only reason that they have a place in our society and I can care for them. I always thought the lepers were caused by the industry. No, I think the implication is that, like, you know, my industry has, like, given them purpose. Oh, okay. Like, my industry has given these former sex workers, like, a job where they're, like, independent and, like, there's all this, like, you know, it's very much that she's, like, I've built a society Andrew's the, suddenly more interested in that movie the, now. I'm going He's to... not. Come I'm, on. I'm... Sorry, I'm going to... So, firstly, I would... I think we should introduce a new rule for this podcast, or you guys should, that Andrew, no matter what happens, has to read out all his notes, <laughs> word for word at the end, because he has to be held accountable. Oh we God, got, what's we he tried reading? that on the live episode. It didn't go very well. Um, I just want to say that in those notes, because I've been looking over his oh, shoulder, no. it says, Tato is living his best life. Is. Which, oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Which, um, Obviously, a no, reference actually, to the scene where the fox girl hitches a ride. Oh, in uh, I have two things to note on that. I actually have notes prepared for this. First one is that the fox squirrel is very much Evie from Pokemon, right? Sure, right. Darren. Uh, no, Evie is very much the fox squirrel. I, I, I know. D- Darren, you interrupted me when I was about to say titties. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that does to ratings? That double D doubles them. Uh, but I actually. I actually have notes prepared for that. Would I do it? Yeah. Um, Did you you know he was going to talk about it? um, I kind of assumed that Andrew's um, mind might drift in that direction. Okay, um, I'm going to play Miyazaki and uh, you are going to play the interviewer, Andrew, okay? (laughs) Uh, So Miyazaki says, Nausicaa's breasts are quite large, don't you think? Yes. Yes. That's not only so she'll be able to breastfeed her children and for sleeping with the guy she likes. They're when she embraces the old man and the old ladies in the castle when they are dying. I think her bosom is something like that. That's why it had to become so big. Ah, I, uh, I see. When she held them to her chest, they could die peacefully. 
I thought her bosom needed to be as such. Thank you for not making me do the voice of Miyazaki. And I'm going to say your catchphrase. Is this something for daddy? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think we've retired that. Uh, but like Miyazaki. I think unlike Miyazaki, every time he returns, people are grateful. Yeah. <laughs> By the way... The great thing in inverted commas about Miyazaki is that there are like four other entities like that. Where, the interviewer, where the interviewer is like, so let's talk about Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. And he's like, yes, did you notice her breasts? <laughs> um, and they're like, that wasn't what I was going to... Well, her breasts are larger than my usual models because that wasn't what I was going to... But because she has to hold people to them. It's like, no, I was actually just going to ask about the environmental, but yes, you see, it was very difficult we, for me can, to... Can we not do this after talking about how great a uh, role model she is for okay. her heroes? She is please? a fantastic... Hey, role models can have... Okay, fine. Yeah, she has a great pair. And um, we see them. Also, she, it's because she's, awesome. super, she's super fit. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, like, she's not wearing a bra. I think we can, like, infer that. Was there, I love, like, I love that our Maizaki's done nothing wrong has extended to this. <laughs> He's done nothing There's wrong. wrong. <laughs> um, it's it, like, my Nausicaa, your tits look fantastic. <laughs> I would love to lay my head against them as I die. <laughs> oh, drawing the um, and again this is it's weird because like because Patrick Stewart's in there and he's very enthusiastic I'm imagining it was the character from Extras um, where, where I've seen everything where Maizaki was talking about how awkward it was drawing um, Nausicaa with larger breasts than most of his feminine heroines because he was worried that he might have to do a nude scene and it would seem exploitative I never can I I mean apart from the scene where you know she, he goes into the thank you for that was supposed to be the scene where, where it was like, describe for me, uh, children. I can't see with my eyes. And it's like, like she's apart naked. from that, apart from she's that scene for Tato, apart from that scene for Tato, I didn't notice. Is that? Is that oh, I did. Did you? Yeah. Was there boob physics? Like, no, there wasn't. But like, I decided not to talk about it because I do not know what age she is. Um, that is also fair. Is, she was going yeah. to be played by Natalie Portman in the original dub, actually. Right. I think and that's eighty four, so she's twelve. Step on any Portman tells. No, she's an adult. I think. It okay. Was, at this like, point, I know. Yeah. I know. But um, it's more just in terms of we talked last week on the podcast. We talked about this recurring motif in Natalie Portman's career of uh, being uncomfortably sexualized. Sure. Right. I mean, I think though. Like, clearly, from that hilarious portion of interview... <laughs> it's going to be interesting for people to get to this point of the uh, podcast. Miyazaki's uh, view of tits is very wholesome. Like, yeah. that he's like... I mean, really... the way he described it, like, they're like a quest item. It's, yeah, it's like... The interviewer sounds like a Darren figure, where it's like, can like, we stop uh, talking about... Can we stop talking about breasts now? now? Yeah. I mean... Um, but no, there aren't breast physics, but I think it is absolutely because she is considerably better endowed... Huh. than a lot of other Miyazaki characters that I was like and again maybe that was a something you a, went away a, from a marketing thing you know like oh. um, that they were like it is an audio medium Marianne the listeners can't see me uh, <laughs> invisible breasts but that's what I'm doing um, anyway no that was in Andrew's notes he's also written down Obama 
Why? Oh no! I I I. Do you mean I Obama? Kept hearing, Obama? Yeah, yeah. I kept hearing oh, okay. Obama. Okay, because okay. they're very different kind of. Like, yeah, Obama means sound. means old hag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Obama means the sustainable future of the world. Exactly, because yeah. uh, Obama believes that it's a it's it's a it's 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 a curve. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. Oh, this is Martin King sort yeah, of like yeah, history yeah. arcing towards exactly, justice. Yeah. Interesting. I just want to see if there's anything else. Which, by the way, he repeated. You really threw him under the bus there, man. What? You threw him under the bus there. This atrocity in the I, notebook needs. No. I'm really excited to see what you're going to put. I, 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 did, I would I like did. the listeners to know that I've seen the notebook and I've decided for the person's discretion to look the other way. Wow. <laughs> I am, what's well, the worst? I'm, what's the worst? What's the worst? I'm complicit. No, no, no. No, no. no. What, which podcast was he the worst at? No, no, no we're, not, we're not. We're not going to. They're not going to do that. Uh, no, oh, come on. The, the, um, <laughs> Darren, Darren is making it clear, um, <laughs> like out of an act of kindness. <laughs> To Andrew, that he's, but he's making it clear to the listeners. Listeners, Andrew is terrible, but I take the worst parts of him away. So, <laughs> so guys, go back through the podcast, listen to every single one of them, and just imagine after hearing these notes, what kind of notes he'd done for other ones that he, that he does say that you've listened yeah. to. Is Darren quietly confiscates the notebook at the end of each podcast, and because you lose things all the time, you're like, "Where's my notebook?" Oh well, and Darren just has them like stored somewhere, being like, "The world can never see. The world must never know." Yeah, I did enjoy the 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 line. Um, kill him and you'll be famous. That oh, that was amazing! Like, yeah. like the second he showed up, I was just like, "Oh, we're gonna see him fight." <laughs> like, and like, it, it's not that it's it's slow mo because it's it's not slow it's not slow mo. But when he's coming down, uh, when uh, Lord Yupo is coming off and he jumps. It slows down. Like when he's falling, he slows down. Yes. And it's just like with the two blades about to pull out. They're going, oh my God, it's him. Uh, there was some real physics that like, there were some like shing noises. Yeah. That like almost reminded me of like the Care Bears. You know, in that, <laughs> no seriously. That's right guys, we've gone from Care Bears like, to Double D's. That kind of slow, because um, I think there's a point where like Nausicaa does a backflip and she kind of slows down as well. Mm. But yeah, that was a great line because he had no hesitation he recognized Lord Yupa and was just immediately like, kill him and you'll be famous. Like, that's- I'll be standing back here cheering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay more- in my station in life. For moral support. I, li- um, I, like, I liked the line as well um, that she gives to the, the character voiced by Uma Thurman where she says, you're, you're like a scared little uh, fox squirrel. Uh, and her reaction <laughs> is like, oh, how dare you? What, be- did you call me? Yeah, be- be- because like, her and Nausicaa's kind of the way the way she treats and kind of reacts to the uh, scared fox squirrel is maybe different to to, to yeah. the reaction of most people. Everyone is like, "Oh, be careful, be careful!" That's like an angry fox squirrel. Yeah, yeah. And where 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 she is kind of like open and has this kind of love and acceptance. Yeah, for, right. well, um, for nature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 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 also I think of humanity. Mm. Um, it's a lovely moment like right at the start that really is like very good like symbolic foreshadowing yes. where she lets Tato bite her finger yeah. and just kind of like smiles through the pain and then she's like see he was just scared yeah. like he's fine it now. It lets you know it does a lot of her character in that one simple moment. Yeah, yeah that like she is willing to take a certain amount of like hurt from other people because she knows that people are just acting out of fear but she does have a line where she's like don't hurt the baby ohm so (laughs) yeah yeah. in a very deep voice yeah (laughs) don't hurt the baby ohm I did did like I did like 
uh, Kuratoa um, and his sort of, we talked a little bit about his work before, but I particularly like the moment in the middle of the film where he's like, uh, yes. he's, he's very consistently like, silence, you old hag. Yeah. Silence, <laughs> silence, silence them. No mercy for the insolent. It's like, I feel I'm, like nobody's listening to him. It's like, yeah. he really chills out then later. He yeah. still chills yeah. out. He has a few lines whenever, like, when, whenever he's checking up on things. Like, it's like, um, he walks into a room, I think, several times where where they're just like, oh, his uh, his torso is fully forming. He's like, right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and and then it's later on when... Well, yeah, I suppose when, it had to do with the fact that they had to sl- to to sync up with the flaps of the the mouth. That's always the problem I, they have to do with I love with, the idea that dubs. Chris Sarandon reverse no, engineered his... But I love the idea of flap syncing. Flap syncing. That's genuine. That's genuine. called. Oh come on! We call them lips. You of all people, Marianne, know this is true. We call them lips. Lip flaps. But I love the idea that like me on my flap. I love the idea that I beg your pardon. I love the idea that Chris Sarandon is like. I'm going to reverse engineer this guy's entire character <laughs> from the fact that I have to synchronize my lip movements yeah. to it. Uh. It's like he's going to be an Alan Rickman. That's what we've decided. <laughs> yeah, and there's like another point where he walks in and everyone is like, oh, fantastic, Kuritawa, uh, it's good that you're here. There have been is a it? lot of development since you, you've last been here. And he's like, right, right. Like, no, he says like, fine. Fine. Yeah, like he does yeah. not give a crap. Yeah, he's like, like cool. Yeah, okay. But cool. as he, as he pointed out, like that one of a moment where he's like, "Could this be my moment to shine?" Then she comes back. He's like, "Well, I guess this isn't my moment to shine." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> guess we'll wait for the sequel. Um, and 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 again, because this is a movie where like everything is 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 spoken out loud. She says, "You are a spineless worm." Yeah, no, she just goes weasel. Weasel. Yeah, because yeah. he won't. He won't. Like, oh yeah, we know. Yeah, because he won't. He won't put his. He won't, you know, put his flag in anywhere. He won't go with them, but he won't go with flaps anywhere. No, I hate you. Uh, He won't. He won't place his flag anywhere. He won't completely go with her, but he won't completely go with the spineless people in the capital. And as soon as she's out of the picture, he's like, maybe it's my time, but not really because I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know that character that's in every film, every anime ever. The character who's just like, I could do something. But I won't. To, yeah. But I won't. Yeah. That's an anime trope. I may just wait around for the plot to catch up with me. Really, um, that's what <laughs> I'm, I'm way do. ahead of it. I feel like, well, yeah, when he gets to the point where like he's possibly in charge, he's like, I can expense whatever I like now. <laughs> I'm leaving the office for two hours. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> get some local food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have some choice exposition, like the wonderful introduction sequence uh, with um, Lord Dupa, which, by the way, again. I absolutely adore uh, Laura Dupa. But by the way, do you know that those, um, what are they called? The things that they're riding? The little chocobos? Like, chocobos? The chocobos. Yeah, they're actually based on the long extinct uh, Gaston. Gastornis. <laughs> the long extinct Gaston. But the long the extinct Gastornis, um, which allegedly also inspired Final Fantasy's beloved Chocobo. Woo! Yeah. Um, oh. But I absolutely love that. That sequence looks amazing. And by the way, the Orm look great when they're animated. I think Marianne pointed out there's a sequence where they're in the toxic forest yeah. and the, the you can see the orm swimming to the surface. <laughs> and they, <laughs> and they only know doggy paddle. Because they only have tiny legs at the front. It's But it looks <laughs> like it's quite... They've got like a thousand of them, so it's yeah. okay. But it looks like... It looks adorable is what it looks like. But there's the moment where like um, he's being chased by them. Mm. And again, narration of things that are happening on screen. A gun. It's, it's going back to the jungle. 
look, she stunned it with flash grenades. Um, it's like, we know what flash grenades are, Patrick. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that your horse slash ostrich creature really appreciates yeah, that. The ostrich is hey, like, why are you all, talking to me? I can see too. And for like, all no, we know, they are the also sentient and they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, they, they had, had masks on. They yeah. also had masks yeah. on. So it's like, animals are hurt by this too. They're oh. very nice. Yeah, One they, of them was pretty... chewing on Nausicaa's arm, like presumably, Aww. like affectionately. Yeah. <laughs> or she's like again, really hungry. She's, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, is there anything else we want to talk about with this? Anything that we haven't discussed already? Anything that we haven't covered with regards to Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind? I no, really I like it. I think like my spot is sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. I've been blown. <laughs> All right. Um, oh wait, sorry. I did like acid. I did like acid lake. Yeah. <laughs> the language yeah. is very evocative. It's that Star Wars building thing. It's like the toxic forest, but like it's but not. It's not it, like it's a. It's a forest that's toxic. It's like proper nouns. It sounded mm. like the place the hippies. Yeah. Out. Acid lake. <laughs> sorry. You dropping down by the AL, baby? Um, <laughs> by the TF. What? <laughs> Just came so effort. You're dropping down with the air, baby. Oh my god. I am hip and with it. And now you look at the fawns right now. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. I think you found your drug. (laughs) Hip and with the kids. Can I wear a backwards facing sort of baseball cap? Uh, those are all LSD things, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll also um, have a have a um, like, what do you call those um, a um, slingshot slingshot like, in your back. Oh, yes. Anyway, yeah. But no, okay, fine. I was just making the point that the world building I quite like the fact yes. that even though they are just adjectives and nouns, they become like names of things, mm. which is one of those great apocalyptic tropes. Yes. And you remember them. It's like yeah. Barter Town. It's the town you go to to barter. barter. Yeah. yeah. Very, like, very classic. Yeah. No nonsense. Yeah. Acid Lake. It's yeah. a lake of acid. So sure, it toxic feels... forest. It's a forest that is toxic. There were times for this uh, uh, for me. <laughs> oh, sorry, apologies. Like, <laughs> I felt like this was a video game, an eight, like an old nineties, eighties video game that you could get or PG. It was like the music fits, the type of <laughs> yeah. things that she's doing. Uh, the bosses the yeah. uh, it, this, this could have been a 32 bit uh, pixel animation and I would have gladly played it the, <laughs> the toxic forest felt very real to everyone here as well because I had kind of announced after the movie oh we really going this deep are we really like, going this deep does, does anyone want to use the bathroom upstairs before I and yes, I, I, I can imagine Mary kind of Patrick so Stewart much she dropped a cup <laughs> I can imagine Patrick Stewart like just kind of opening the door and it's like another room destroyed <laughs> by the toxic uh, gas and then the opening credits roll <laughs> I do agree with the video game thing because every time that like synthy disco bop came on it's it was like, like it was like a bug encounter when the ohm is chasing him it's like a boss yeah, and you have yeah. to escape from it and then um anything that's like because basically like any video game I've ever played like when there's a glowing mushroom level I'm like fantastic game design <laughs> I haven't seen this in literally every RPG ever <laughs> a, I've, I've never not seen a forest <laughs> um, so yeah as soon as you're like got glowing mushrooms I'm like inspired <laughs> I, I, I do admit being a bit disappointed that Lord Yubo couldn't muster up a bit more enthusiasm when he found the like dead and abandoned stuff it's like Great abandoned settlement you have here. <laughs> Wonderful dead bodies. The forest is really growing. I, I'm, really, I'm really sad that they, none of them went back to the get the ohm shell. Yeah. That never was resolved. They do. They do it at the very, very oh, end. They? You see them running along with like a section. Oh, of they it? do. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it did seem a little off to me because like that was directly after we made peace with the orm. Now let us cascade their dead shells around. They don't 
mind. They don't mind. It's like snakes. All right. Yeah, and and as we've said before, Darren, those weren't dead shells. Yeah, they're shed skin. Exactly. It's not like, oh, this is like someone's grave. Though I do wonder, she said it was a perfect own shed. How did they get out? Because there was no hole or they anything. They reversed. The bottom? Yeah, they reversed. Uh, oh, oh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Listeners can't see, but Marianne is shimmying. Marianne yeah. is shimmying, so... Um, downwards. Um, <laughs> it's like, if there was, like, a tiny civilization who were like, oh, Marianne, your toenails are actually, like, the most valuable mineral that we need for a building, I'd be like, weird, but okay. Like, I'm not... <laughs> Does it make you pay to the, to the, to the nose? Well, no, because they would be like different, like they'd be tiny, I assume. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it's they not the toenails themselves, it's the fungus that it creates. Sorry. All right. <laughs> oh my God. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I, I think we've reached the, the end of the podcast. Um, the, the, if people want to. Andrew and I are no longer talking. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's the spores. It's the spores. Oh, I see. Oh, I yeah. You're making up what you were going I'm for that there. Yeah. Yeah. Making, Andrew, you are such a fun guy. Nice, nice. Uh, you weren't making a cruel joke about my foot hygiene. <gasps> no, okay. no, I'm not. Right. Oh, and also, Don't we worry. all have feet. Andrew right. will also. Andrew grows on you, it's like a fungus. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> so I think this about wraps it up for Nosco. Unless there's something else you want to sort of discuss. Like I'm thinking. But just in terms of so before we go, we like to recommend something for our listeners. So if there's something you're aware of that you think our listeners might enjoy or might like having their attention drawn to, maybe bring that to their attention. Also, just where can they find you online? So Marianne, is there something that you'd like to draw listeners' attention to, or where can we find you online? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at Tiny York uh, on the Twitter. Uh, that's mainly where I hang out online. And a thing I've been enjoying recently is a video game called Armello. It's by a studio called League of Geeks, and they've recently updated to like the full version too. And the best way to describe it is like Redwall meets Game of Thrones strategy board stroke card game. And it's a lot of fun, and you can play each round in about like an hour and ten minutes. So yeah, if that is a thing people enjoy, it's very whimsical and well made. Mm. Yeah, there's I I've seen this. There's lots of like cute animals. There's I uh, like <laughs> but uh, like with uh, murderous sad backstories. Yeah, that's great. yeah, which is always great. Mm. Um, uh, Graham. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You can find me at Graham Geek Era uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also at Gamer. Uh, Gamer is also on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on the Speaking Geek podcast. Our latest episode was when I went to the Dublin Comic Con and met James Marsters and Jason David Frank, which was really cool. Got a great story about uh, James Marsters playing Piccolo in the Dragon Ball Evolution film and how much he hated it. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, what I would recommend, I, I have many things I'd recommend. Um, if you like anime and you've got Crunchyroll, I recommend uh, That Time I Was Resurrected as a Slime. Um, Rising of the Shield Hero, which is brilliant. Oh, these are titles, not These are animes, yeah, these okay. are animes. These are anime uh, cartoons. <laughs> Uh, I've been loving those uh, reincarnated sl- reincarnation of a slime. I think is finished for its first season, but it's like twenty five episodes, so that's great. Um, and then a game because I suppose I should start yeah, doing, talking about there games will be game. a podcast after this. Yes, as well. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're right, actually, your never mind. Yeah. I'll wait till next week. I'll, make, I'll wait till next week. Um, that's it. Uh, okay. Yeah, and. In terms of things that are on a time Sorry. crunch, uh, this podcast is being released the weekend that the East Asian Film Festival is taking place at the IFI. And the Japanese uh, Film Festival. About, I was also about to mention that one. Oh, Thank sorry. you very much. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's good. There's oh, a... I've, seen the, I've seen the East Asian films. Yeah. I've seen them. What would you recommend? So if the listeners are looking to Oh, God, something. they're all very sad. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> All I right. would recommend. I would recommend. Um, oh, I would recommend uh, Manta Rays. It's the closing film, I believe, and so it it'll is be beautiful. on tomorrow night. Yeah? yeah, it's beautiful. It is Perfect. absolutely beautiful. And the Japanese Film Festival Ireland is ongoing as well. Mm-hmm. It'll continue on past. And the great thing about the Japanese Film Festival Ireland is that it's not just Dublin based. No, it's Cork, it's, it's Galway, it's it even everywhere. Film, it even screens at the Nyland in Sligo, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And they've got a screening of Mirai, uh, absolutely beautiful film, uh, Japanese film, uh, showing in the, like, the Chester Beatty Library. It's like it's showing all over Dublin if you get the chance. And it's showing in Cork, Galway the same. So I definitely recommend it. Cool. And very quickly then, two other ones related to this thing. So uh, this movie that we just talked about. <laughs> Our Planet is on Netflix now. Um, and it's very much along the same lines. Uh, in fact, the difference between it and, say, Planet Earth and Planet Earth 2 is that it's very much like, well, nature's beautiful, but we're kind of killing it. Um, oh, it's very no. much a recurring theme. It's, it's very more heavy-handed. It's a little bit more overt, yes. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, again... In keeping Maybe appropriate. With, in keeping with what we've been talking about right. on this podcast as well. So I would wholeheartedly recommend that in terms of, of sort of watching stuff. And also Missing Links is in cinemas now as well, which is a movie that I really like. Oh, it's like, amazing. Is, is it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's basically like animation, but it's a story about finding a mythical creature in the wilderness, becoming its friend, and running off on an adventure across the world with it. So again, if you liked this movie, yeah. that might possibly yeah. be worth a go. Um, I am A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. Um, if you have an opinion about the podcast and want to fight me, <laughs> you, you can at me. If you don't want an argument, then uh, just at Darren. Um, and, uh, Darren, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Um, but no, you're going to recommend um, something, I believe. I was going to recommend uh, Coke Zero. <laughs> um, uh, I highly endorse uh, this Graham just discovered it today a lot of people think it's Diet Coke it's not and, it, and it's got it's great, not yeah it's it's just like regular Coke without that kind of syrupy mouthfeel yeah the, the, I thought I'd um, miss that yeah and it's zero calories there's probably something in it that's going to kill oh, me oh it's probably going to kill but, me yeah. yeah and all of the stuff like um, that, that Coke did like most of that happened before <laughs> they came up with Coke Zero like all <laughs> it of was the Miyazaki of its time stuff in Colombia yeah. that was all pre-Coke Zero so Coke Zero Coke is Zero, like Coke Zero year basically yeah Coke Zero is conspicuously uh, red and black colours which is the kind of like anarchist colours I feel like they're making a transgressive uh, political <laughs> message with it and I just want all our listeners to have some Coke this Zero this is what happens when Andrew and I record an 18 hour podcast on David Lynch connections start forming people connections start forming oh we should mention by the way that is available online or the first 11 episodes of it are actually as well they seem um, changed after it we'll be back next week hopefully with uh, Graham and with Mary Ann uh, discussing Akira uh, the 1988 89 sort of anime film that changed the world it's very much a sequel series to last year's sort of anime April where we covered two films from nineteen from 1988 mm. uh, this as well is also set in Neo Tokyo in 2019 so join us next mm. week uh, when we'll be diving into Akira bye bye bye, bye. <laughs>